Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. Today we are here recording episode 25, the grad school edition, where I am hoping to give you all some insight on graduate school, what it's like. I have been through two graduate school programs, and I'm sure my amazing co-host Jared has some questions for me as well today. So we are looking forward to bringing this episode to you all and hopefully answering some of your questions about graduate school as well. Without further ado, I would like to introduce my amazing co-host, my buddy Jared. What's going on, Jared? Hello. Hello. Happy belated Thanksgiving to everyone. I just wanted to say what I'm thankful for is that Chris- Christopher Columbus had the thought to be so heartless and murder all those innocent people making way for the beautiful country that is the United States of America that stands before us today. Enjoy your dry turkeys. Enjoy your uh, canned cranberry sauces that no one ever buys for any other occasion. And uh, follow us on Twitter at Untranslatable1 for some more good tithings for all that I spread. Uh, Or follow us on Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast. Or you can email us. Tell us your favorite holiday. This is not even a (laughs) Tell us about your grad school experiences. Tell us about your um, tell us about your time choosing grad school. How you chose what program you 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 were in. Just tell us your untranslatable stuff at untranslatablepodcast at gmail The reason I talk so much about Thanksgiving is because today, for uh, the listeners, is Thanksgiving in the United States. I thought I planned so well to have a Thanksgiving episode come out on Thanksgiving. I pre-planned. I was like, all right, we do this episode this day, this episode this day. That means that episode 45 will come out on Thanksgiving. Then I realized <laughs> a couple days before that, a couple days before Thanksgiving, that Thanksgiving is a week before I thought it was. I was always under the impression that Thanksgiving was the final Thursday of uh of the month of november it is not thanksgiving do you know when thanksgiving actually is isn't it the third thursday no it is fourth thursday the fourth thursday and november has five weeks this year so um Mm. you know nine times out of ten i don't know the exact statistic you know most times i'd be right that it's the final thursday but this just happens to be one of the few months that you know every year there's like a month or two that has uh that has five weeks and this happens to be one of them and so it screwed me up and so uh i just was going along this whole time thinking thanksgiving and then i saw on my work calendar i was like no work for thanksgiving i was like what and i was like oh oops um so we will be talking about Thanksgiving, but we'll do a wrap-up after I actually go and eat it later today. Um, but for now, we're going to talk about grad school. I have not gone to grad school. Chad has, but I, 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 I consider it. I, and why am I talking so much also? What is happening? Right why, 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 why do you consider it? Um, I, I don't know. It's just, it just seems like, uh, like people especially in, in, in when you're in like a the corporate area or just in the biz, the business world it just seems like it's kind of a uh it's like when are you gonna go back and get your MBA it's like hopefully never if I do my career properly <laughs> I'm gonna be mad right. rich before that matters <laughs> there you go. that's the goal right um 
Oh, I remember why I was talking about Thanksgiving. I did have something I wanted to ask you because today is Thanksgiving, and I'm not gonna bring this up next time. But are do you um are you the kind of person that like misses being home on the holidays? Um, I I would say I miss my family, but I mean I don't know. You don't particularly I, miss I, like the sitting down for the meal, is what you're saying? I mean I mean I do and I don't. My parents are both really good cooks, so I do miss a good home cooked meal from my mom or from my dad. Mm. But I would say overall, um, I'd just be happy to spend time with them wherever. Right. It doesn't have oh, to be. You know, we could we could get Chinese takeout for Thanksgiving in who knows where, and I'd still be happy. I really need an yeah. uh I really need to get that. Because you, you just, <laughs> you know, you, I, like there's so many times where I wish I had it just talking to you. Uh, yeah, I, I always, I felt like um, the idea of spending a holiday alone seemed kind of nice. Until I spent the, mm-hmm. my first Thanksgiving alone where I was like, wow, this seems like extra sad. <laughs> I'll tell you what was actually extra sad was spending Thanksgiving alone was was kind of a bummer. It was nice, at, you know, because I could do whatever I want, but also kind of like, oh, this is a little weird. Um, especially knowing that, like, my family somewhere. Uh, but um, was even more depressing was I was walking around outside when I was coming back home. It was maybe around six or seven. And someone was ordering uh, Domino's and I was like, oh, come on. I was like, you can't eat Domino's on Thanksgiving. I was like, at least cook something. But maybe right. that's like they're like they're like, oh, finally I can eat Domino's. I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be that could be the case. I mean, I I don't know. I uh, I treated myself and I got a kebab from my favorite kebab just place for Thanksgiving. Today. <laughs> yep, exactly. Chicken's chicken's close enough to turkey. I mean, right? turkey's not even like that great. Like I. No one, it's all right. no one's cooking up a bird any other day besides for Thanksgiving. Like it's it's just, it's not that great. It's not the best meat by any means. Right. But also, well, see now we're getting into what I want to talk about next episode. But I'm thinking. I mean, we all know that Thanksgiving's about the sides. Oh, I, I would agree. I think that's been well established. We'll we'll we'll, we'll leave that. We'll yeah. leave that for next episode. Though. I just wanted to ask you about sure. the homesickness more than anything. Right. I've, you know, it's interesting. I've been asked quite a bit while I've been here and I realize now I've been here for over 90 days, over three months. Thankfully I got that visa. So right. I uh, am legally here Yeah, you're because <laughs> um, this would be when my tourist visa were, were to you're not run living out. dirty. Right. Um, but I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, um, how do you like it here? Do you miss your family? All sorts of all sorts of questions, you know, kind of along that same vein. And I mean, of course, of course, I miss my family. I miss my friends and I miss everybody. But it's also been a really good experience to be here. It's been a really good teaching experience. I've learned a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. I think the thing is, like, you can miss them. But also it's like it's not it's not like the sort of I need like I need to get home missing them. It's just like, yeah, I've been away from my family for a while. It's I definitely it's it's different. I miss them. But it's not like. It's not like I miss him so much that I'm regretting doing this or something. It's like I'm, I'm also very, or you're also seem to be very happy in the Czech Republic. It's just like yeah, but part of trying to do something you want and is, you know, there's some pros and cons to everything, like grad school. Right, right. That's true. The other thing too is, um, you know, if I were to be back in Michigan, 
I don't have my own apartment, so I'd in theory be living with my parents, Oof. which I love my parents yeah. and I like spending time <laughs> there, but it's different when you're a 27 year old man living with your yeah. parents full time. Which would you rather be? A little homesick missing your family or living with your family? <laughs> I'd say a little homesick right now is, is where I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, to your be, age, it's like, say. yeah, I should, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, yeah. But I know that feeling. Like as soon as I graduated from college, there was maybe three or four months that I was back home before I found an apartment. And um, the entire time I was there, it's like, yeah, it's, it's time to, uh, it's time to get out of here. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike my, my, I don't dislike my parents. It's nice. Like, but it's just, it's just like, you know how I can notice, like, I don't, you know, I didn't take well to like the parenting stuff that they did where it's like, when are you going to be home? Who are you hanging out with? Oh, what, what, like what, or it's like, I am 23 years old, <laughs> or right. I was actually probably 22 at that point, or 22. It's like I am an adult. I was like, I don't like, I don't have to be giving you updates on my whereabouts. But like at the same time, I can't fault you for for just defaulting to where are you going to be when are you coming home. It's like I'm home, right. and it's like I'm your kid. It's just like you, you you almost probably can't even help it. Sure, I would say yeah, that's a very natural parenting instinct. Right. You know, I mean. Especially since um, yeah. we, at that point we still are kids. Like it's like to us, we feel like we finally are like we're now. It's time for us to be adults. But it's like yeah, I mean, but they're like fifty plus, so to them we're still just children. <laughs> right. Do you do you remember when you were a kid and you saw somebody in their like twenties and you're like, there's such grown ups oh, yeah. and adults. And now now that I'm in my twenties, I'm like, we don't even know what we're doing. Like, dude. It's like that. It's it's like that meme of that dog sitting in that room where everything's on fire. He's drinking like a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And he's like, "This is fine. yeah, yeah, everything's fine." I feel like that's most of us. Yeah. So uh, I've I, I've mentioned before that uh, I've dabbled on a dating site or two before, and seeing like someone say like "oh pair from blah 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 blah." Uh, and like a, th- a bio thing is so weird because I used to have an au pair when I was a, ki- a kid and I was like oh my god like they were like this age like my age now and they felt yep. like they were like full on adults with like mortgages and it's like wow you you were these were just cl- like like being now the age that I was when I was getting these people it's like oh my god or actually there some of them, a lot of them are even younger than me it's like wow you were probably an idiot <laughs> Yeah. I remember one of them told my dad's car. It was his favorite car that he'd had for like 12 years. What? Really? Yeah, we were on vacation and he got a call while we were like in Disney or somewhere. Just imagine, or maybe not Disney, but we were somewhere and, and she's like, um, so I got into a little accident. <laughs> and oh, we got wow. back and it was just like crumpled. Damn. But That's it was crazy. a Honda Civic, so don't worry, everyone. My, uh, Apparently, twenty like lo- young twenty-something-year-old babysitter was uh, okay. That's good. <clears throat> That's I mean that is what's important. You know, you can it's first time I you can get a new car. You can't get a new life. First time I probably saw my dad shed a tear was over a goddamn Honda Civic. <laughs> huh. Interesting. <clears throat> interesting. Yeah, but yeah. So I don't know. But it's also what I also find interesting is. When I tell people, especially people who have lived here in um, Komutov for a while, when I tell them that I like it here, people are like surprised. I don't know if they like, (laughs) I don't know what they think my expectations are or if I'm like really a judgmental person or I have no idea, but like I really like it here. You know, the landscape's really beautiful. I get to get up in the morning. 
I always look out my kitchen window where I'm looking out right view. now. Yeah, beautiful mountains. I'm on the ninth floor, so I'm like up nice and high. And uh, it's it's really great. You know, I walk to school. I walk pretty much everywhere. Over the weekend, though, one of my students actually took me on a little bus trip and uh, just around here uh, in Khomutov. And uh, actually, I got to sit in the uh, bus driver's seat, so that was pretty balling. What? Just... <laughs> Well, so, so we went like so like when a six year old gets to like to sit in the cockpit of an airplane or something like that. Yeah, but it was a twenty seven year old in the <laughs> bus. So why not? Sitting behind the, the, the seat, of, well, it was like, ooh, this is a powerful bus right here. Because one of one of my students, really, he knows the bus driver really well. They're like, is it like a tour like bus? Homies. Like a like they give tours of the no, city? No, no, it's like a like a public transit. Oh, okay, just bus. like a okay. <laughs> Yeah, but it was cool to sit behind the wheel and see all the the buttons and <laughs> and all that stuff. You know, it was pretty sweet. I mean, I am, so, yeah. I agree. I, I you just sound it's just so funny. You just it's just like oh, it's so cool to see all the buttons and. It was <laughs> Did you open the doors? Did you get My, to open the doors? So this is the other thing I learned. Because you then you'll give me back. Depending on the type of depending on the type of bus. There's actually a button to open the door outside of the bus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like on the front of it. Right, right. Not by the doors, but on the front. I didn't know this. So I saw the bus driver oh, walk you mean, up and oh, walk to the front yeah, of the like bus. Oh, yeah, like a little secret like button for that for like yeah. the driver to, to open the door to get in. And I didn't know that. I, I wonder so, that. So now I know the I used to spot. Hold on one second. Yeah. I used to wonder that, too. Some I used to wonder that, too. Like, how do they... Um, like how do they like close the doors when they leave? It's like how do they get in just and close magic the doors? Because I, you know, on like the mechanical ones or like our old school buses, you just push it, <laughs> right? And it and it flips open. But it's like how do they do it on these newfangled fancy buses with mm-hmm. button doors? <laughs> right. <clears throat> oh my gosh. Yeah. So so that was pretty cool. Um, and and you know we got we got to go to a couple neighboring villages. Well, actually, just one neighboring village, and then up to this other spot. Um, I think it's called Oblaki, I think, and it's like a more residential area in Komutov. Mm-hmm. That's about maybe one or two kilometers away from where I live. Um, I couldn't it's, tell you in miles. I have no I, idea. I wish yeah. I had the because that sounds like a great thing that I could have done. Like if Brad would have come, like somehow do like a city bus tour, or it's like if he's like, oh, I can show you the city for three dollars. Right. Um, I took the bus for the first time a couple weeks ago in Philadelphia. How was it? I mean, it was cheap. Um, I it was it was fine. I I, it, it, I like having a car. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I also it was fine. I wish it was. I don't know. It, I I wish I wish just the technology was a little better for uh for and it was they made it a little easier to figure it out. But um. Like it was fine. It was just a bus. Here, there's actually a pretty good little app for it here in in Komutov. and the buses have free Wi-Fi. Ooh, yeah. See, we're not. And they're not doing pretty, that. They're not doing that. Yeah. Here. Is it good enough to like watch a YouTube video? I mean, I was talking to my students, so I don't really know. Okay. But um, it's like, hey, shh, I'm I watching made, a there's... YouTube video. We have Wi-Fi right, right. bus. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> doing my lesson plays on my laptop real quick on the bus on the way to school. <clears throat> yeah, it was pretty crazy, but uh, it was interesting. And then what I also really liked was the bus driver was, like, super friendly. And we were stopped at a stoplight. And 
this woman that he knew and her son were walking by and he opens the door and he was like, ahoy, you know, hello yeah. and, and check and starts talking to her. And that's It was just really cool how friendly he was. That's something about Philadelphia. Granted, once again, I've only been on one bus, uh, but it doesn't seem like you're going to get a lot of friendly uh, bus drivers here <laughs> greeting right. everyone. It's going to be more like a, uh, it's going to be a more uh, transactional experience than that. Right. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's like that. In the Czech Republic as well. I was just lucky that I went. You mean in Prague with my or something? Student and or you mean in the Czech Republic as I, a whole? I mean in, in the Czech Republic oh, okay. in general. Oh, you probably. just went with the guy that knows a bus driver. Yeah, and he's a really nice guy. Okay, all right. So, yeah. But it was kind of cool. It was interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah. And tomorrow, uh, I will be going to Prague to celebrate Thanksgiving with all the other uh, people in my organization. Are they doing so a be pretty cool. Friendsgiving? I uh, I guess you could call it that. Are you are, are are you guys like meeting? Does someone live in Prague that you're meeting at their place? No, no, no. It's through our organization. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, yeah. so they're providing pretty, food. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. But what's cool is we're staying in a hotel. Do you know what a hotel is? I mean, I could take a guess. <laughs> what is I'm it? I'm going to assume it's a hotel on a boat. Yes, sir. Interesting. Okay. Does yes, the boat sir. move, or is it just a permanently docked? I think it's docked, okay. but we'll we'll find out. I'll let you know All right. after my my experience on the boatel. I think a boatel sounds cool in theory, but it, it sounds like a it might be a gimmicky thing and in, in practice. Right. Yeah, I agree. I also feel like what if you bring a bunch of valuables and the boat sinks? <laughs> you lose all your valuables, I mean, right? Listen, if the boat's sinking, you got a much bigger issue than your uh, iPhone. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I was going to bring my laptop, but uh, I decided not to. The only thing you have to concern yourself with is saving that untranslatable Rolex. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Good point. Uh, but yeah. Speaking of mm-hmm. uh, that untranslatable Rolex, or else do you have something else to say? Sorry. <laughs> uh, I it just don't. seemed like a perfect uh, segue. I don't. Should we get to the shout outs? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so let me. Uh, so, um, do you have any? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Sorry, you're good. So I have, uh, I have two shoutouts. So, there is a restaurant in Missouri uh, that is giving uh, or donating um, dinner and clothing to ten thousand people in need on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, and one moment here. So the dinner, um, so it is the Brass Rail Steakhouse is delivering over 10,000 dinners to needy families on Thanksgiving. Nice. So a big thumbs up and shout out to the Brass Rail Steakhouse in O'Fallon, Missouri for uh, willing to give such a helping hand during this time of year. Speaking of Mm -hmm. that, I was actually, then I do have a, by the way, yes. And shout out to everyone that uh, takes out their holiday to volunteer and actually help other people. Um, there's this bar that there. Well, as I've mentioned before, Asheroth, um, local, <laughs> I guess local rapper to me. He um, he was. I, I follow him on Instagram and whatnot, and he was doing this thing at this bar around the corner from me where. Um, to like like the cover for the bar. It's just a normal bar. There's never been a cover there. Um, cause I used to, I, I've been there before anyway. Um, 
the cover was just to bring a um some canned good of some sort that he was gonna then take to a a local food drive thing. I thought that was cool. It's like especially since um for those of you that don't know in America uh the day before Thanksgiving is a very popular bar day and and a uh, very popular uh going out day night I yep. guess but yep so shout out to which him as well. I've actually uh oh definitely which I have never actually participated in really I've never really gone out and raged the day before Thanksgiving I ha- I have not either I have gone out the day after Thanksgiving and it was dead <laughs> But that might have just been right. where I was at. I believe I was in Colorado or, De- or okay. Denver or something like that. So maybe it was just where I was at. But, uh, yeah, I've never done that either. Um, it seems nice, though. I-, I like the idea of it. You know, you're right. with your, you know, all the families around. It's like, all right, let me just get out of the house for a bit. And then tomorrow will be full family day. Right. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I can get on board with that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. All right. Well, my next shout out goes to um goes to a man um i'm trying to find his name really quick um archibald <laughs> um is his last name oh, okay I so this is coming from name. canada um so a homeless fan found some rare artwork of bambi in a trash bin <laughs> he oh. sold it just wait the story gets even crazier of bambi he's from the movie the Disney movie? Yeah, yeah. Like like a painting. Okay. Yeah. A rare painting. And so okay. so this homeless man found a ratty picture of Bambi in a trash bin and brought it to uh, an antique dealer, Alexander Archbold. Sorry, not Archibold, but Archbold, to get a few bucks. Uh, so, um, so at first, Archibald thought he had brought a replica of an animation from the 1980s or 1990s. Um, he thought if he removed the broken frame and cleaned it up, the picture might fetch eighty to hundred dollars. He paid the homeless man Adam um, Gillian twenty dollars for it. But when he took it out of the frame and flipped it over, Archbold discovered an old certificate of authenticity. Even more surprising, it had a copyright date of nineteen thirty-seven. Bambi hit theaters in nineteen forty-two. Suddenly, Archbold realized he had an original Disney animation cell a hand-drawn image on a celluloid set with much more value than he initially thought. Uh, When I knew it was going to sell a lot of money, I knew it wasn't right at all. So um, this man, um, Mr. Archbold, sold the piece on eBay for um, (laughs) $3,700. Who painted it again, though? Who's the painter? I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand what makes this painting so special. (laughs) It was a legit painting of Bambi. What do you mean a legit painting of Bambi? By someone at the Disney Studios. Oh, okay. So it was yeah. like a. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like an art piece. It was like a storyboard kind of thing or something like that. No, no. no. It looks like a painting. It okay. looks like a celluloid. But it was probably used in the Holy movie. Shit, I would imagine. Dude. Look! Look what I found. I just what? was looking under my desk, and I, I just happened to find. I found this. It's a legit painting of Bambi. You can even see it has Disney's <laughs> signature right there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to be rich. (laughs) You're going to get $3,700. But anyways, so Mr. Archbold ended up finding Adam um, Jillian and split it with him. Okay. Wow. That's 
unnecessarily so, so I nice. I think that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not unnecessarily also, nice, but that's nice. Also, this happened in I Canada, and I feel like that is such a Canadian yeah. thing I to do. I wouldn't have split shit. I wouldn't have said shit. I would have split shit. <laughs> I would have well, been like $3,000. I'm not going to okay. offer any of my uh, found art for you, Jared. That's for sure. By the way, that what I that purely visual gag that I just did with Chad was I had in my notebook, I drew a terrible picture of a deer with Disney that I just wrote in cursive and showed it to Chad. That I, I just realized thought, that I joke would work like for a, no one. <laughs> right. I just thought that was actually a picture of the Reddit character. I didn't realize that was a deer. <laughs> well, it's abstract. <laughs> <laughs> that's whatever that's you want true. it to be. That's, that's what makes true. it so that's expensive. That's the beauty of art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can interpret it however right. you want. Disney was actually, Definitely. Reddit actually uh, came from uh, Bambi, if you didn't know. the. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I don't even know Hashtag truth bombs. Well, Jared, I think uh, I think we should start talking about some things we know a little bit about. If you happen to know the time, oh, I do. We almost were a little, was a little late there, but uh, don't worry. We're always ready to drop some new entrenched label phrases for everyone. Definitely. So, Jared, I'll get us started. Okay. Believe it or not, I still have Czech untranslatables. <laughs> I've got two of them for you today. So this is Prostromi. Ah, sorry, I already screwed it up. I keep every ST, I automatically default to German, which is a, like a sh, yeah. right? And it's not like what that is check. It? So let me try this again. It's just a st. Prostromi oh, okay. nevedit les, which means to see the wood for the trees. What do you think? To see the wood for the trees. Oh, I believe we have an a English untranslatable very similar. To see uh-huh. the forest through the trees? Is that what you're saying? What does that mean? I've never heard that one before. To see the forest through the trees is to, like, finally have clarity. Where it's like, uh, you can see what's happening. Yeah, it's I, I believe that's what it means. It's like to finally have clarity upon, on something. It's like I can see the forest through the trees now. Where it's like I can see uh, what's really happening behind all those trees. I think this is a little different. So here this means hmm. to be in. Inv- to be so involved in the details to not realize the real purpose or importance of the thing as a whole. You know, maybe I don't know what the English trans- uh, untranslatable means because I do know th- that isn't untranslatable in English. Could you uh, okay. do, me, do, do, do me a favor and type in um, seeing the forest through the trees? Because I, I, I've never really used it. I just know it is an English untranslatable as well. It's actually to see the forest for the trees. Oh, see, I don't even know what know what it is. See the forest for the trees. Um, this is usually used as a negative. Can't see the forest for the trees. This is that, oh, I'm so to get it bogged down in the. Uh, that might be the same thing. To discern an overall pattern from a massive detail, to see the big picture. So yeah, so if you can't see the forest through the trees, you're right. It is pretty much the same. Okay. Thing. Interesting. Well, there you go. Yeah. I'm learning some English today, too. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, my first one is Russian, and it's um, Ushi Vayanut. Ushi Vayanut. And it means my ears are wilting. Your ears are wilting. Huh. Can you give me an example? <laughs> Ears are wilting. I can. This is gonna be fun. <laughs> uh, um, uh, 
see, actually, it's going to be hard because everything I say is going to be. Um, so, um, hmm, I'm trying to think. Okay. So I was, um, I went to this comedy show the other day and there's this guy, I've never heard of him. His name is uh, Andrew Dice Clay. And um, he has some some jokes and bits that, you know, I just found to be, um, caused my ears to start wilting. Something about hickory dickory dock and sucking cocks and stuff like that. It was, <laughs> oh, God, my geez. ears were wilting. It was so, so it's, so it's basically like if you're, you, it's like you're kind of like nails on a chalkboard, kind of like it's something uncomfortable it's, or you're close, but it's specifically the, re- I specifically use the sucking cock one on purpose or say like, go fuck yourself where it's like, uh, so rude or obscene that you have a hard time processing it. That's why I thought of Andrew Dice ah. Clay because he just, his jokes are all just okay. the most offensive thing you could think of. So. Gotcha. Okay. So it's uh, my ears are wilting, or it's so rude or obscene that you can't even process what that person just said. It's like, <laughs> whew. okay. Interesting. Have you have you ever been uh, hit with something that you're that caused your ears to wilt? Actually, we had uh, we had a uh, a moment the other day in one of my classes. Oh. Um, we were, glad we were I talking asked. about we were talking about slang words, and. Uh, one of my students listens to rap music, oh, and uh, I think you can put two and two together. So I had to I had to explain that basically, like, yeah, I know you guys hear that in music, but <laughs> especially as a bunch of it was you know a class of all white kids, I was like, you probably shouldn't be saying that. Uh, for those of you that don't know what Chad's talking about, I'm going to assume when your kids dropped an N bob in your class. Yep. yep. N bob. <laughs> yeah. So, like so that wilted my ears a little easy bit. Easy there, uh, Yannick. You're a uh, Slipping on gator piss. And also, too, it wasn't... I don't know if they realize the difference between the soft A and the hard R. Because I, I thought I heard a hard R, and that hard R really makes your ears And wilt. also, there's no way that the rapper was... It does. That makes your ears wilt even more. E- even though the A sounds weird coming from a... Especially a European white person. Right. Uh, I mean, not that I want to hear from any white person, but the hard R sounds even... Makes your ears wilt right. a little bit more. It's like, ugh, because it always—it's hard right. to use the R, hard R and it not sound so goddamn aggressive. <laughs> right. Oh, for sure, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, I would agree. But yeah, so that's a good one. I like that one to have your ears. Wilt. Yeah, yeah. It takes a lot. It takes a lot for my ears to wilt. I, I have a pretty high threshold, but definitely uh, an un, an unexpected uh, n bomb drop, especially in a classroom setting. Would would right. be like and and bombs always from like any any n word drop from a non black person always kind of throws me off a little bit. It's like oh all right takes takes me aback a little bit. It's like we're right. we're doing this all right. That's cool. Right. <laughs> it's good to know. That's also <laughs> I mean, also speaking cool, of I guess I guess I I'm a, right. No, definitely isn't. I I may have also caused my students um, ears to wilt a little bit. Um, we were doing slang words, and a student wrote "buck," but the way they wrote their cursive "b" looked like an "f," <laughs> and so that was interesting. That's for sure. It's like I don't know. Well, it's like uh, Yannick, I like where your head's at, but I don't know if "fuck" is technically a slang word. It's like what I didn't, I didn't put. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's funny. It's like uh, it says "buck." <laughs> it's like, oh well. This is awkward. <laughs> this is awkward. Well, whoops. So yeah. Anyways, I have uh, one more untranslatable, and it's Czech, and it is 
Jak se doleza vola, tak se leza ozivola, which means, um, uh, this means, one second here, the way you shout at the forest is the way the sound comes back. What you, 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 it's essentially the golden rule I, I, what is what I'm getting. It's like what you do onto others is what's going to be done onto you. You get what you give. There we go. Yeah. There you go. Hit that, hit that ham horn. Yeah. I would say the phrase we use is what goes around comes around. But yeah, yeah that's better. That's, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I have one more and it's Korean and it's, uh, Chan Muldu. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I told you I'm trying a new setup. I like it, but I think if I'm going to use the setup, I might need to wear my glasses. <laughs> uh, Chan Muldu. Uh, excuse me. Do or do? Chan Muldu ui arega ita. Let me do that one more time, just for clarity's sake. Chan Muldu ui arega ita. Not bad, and that uh, literally translates the cold water is from the bottom up. Cold. Oh, that's a good one. Cold water is from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. So is it like you gotta you gotta work hard to get something good? You're on the right track, but you gotta think a little. You think about. We've talked a lot about Korean and Japanese culture, and what they tend to value. So think about what we what one of some of their values that we like to talk about and how that would translate to what I just what you just said. I mean, cu- I don't know. Calmness comes with age. Not calmness, no. But it, it's it's Wisdom? something you t- no 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 no. It's something you tell children uh, if they like uh, you know if they just to remind them of the proper order. So it's essentially mm. saying that the um, the older people all like like say. For example, thank it's Thanksgiving. It's say you're going to a Korean American Thanksgiving, and you're uh, and some some little kid, you know, uh, goes up and starts serving himself before a grandpa, and he'd be like, "Whoa, easy there, Junior." Uh, cold water is from the bottom up, essentially meaning the elderly people. Like, there's a proper order, and that means we let right. grandma and grandpa get their food first. Gotcha. Okay. That was a tradition at my house. Was that a tradition at your house? Uh, no, let's talk about it next week or our next episode. Sorry. Getting ahead this of would have worked here. out so much better if I just looked at a calendar and figured out when Thanksgiving was. <laughs> well, that's okay. I taught my I taught my class when we were talking about slang, uh, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that's a, that's a good moment right there. Shoulda, Before woulda, I moved to uh, Philadelphia, I was in therapy for a month. Um and uh, my the therapist would always say, "Don't should yourself." She's saying like, "Oh, oh I should have done this, or I can't, I should have done that." She's like, "Don't." Right. It's a, that's essentially a useless word. Um, and I thought that was kind of a. I thought that was kind of a. Good, yeah, good that's thought. good. I like yeah. that. So I kept that with me even all these years that's later. Good advice. Nice. All right. Speaking of good advice, hey Chad, should I go to grad school? Oh, that's a loaded question, <laughs> my man. No, I know that is a loaded question. <laughs> I think it really depends on what what your career options are. I think for me, realistically, it was really the only feasible career option for me. Well, that's the thing. I guess we'll start by saying grad school is – we'll give a quick explanation. Grad school, graduate school, is your 
I mean, most people know what I'm saying, but why not? Is the next step in most people's education after they get their undergraduate degree from some university. So, you know, you, you get your undergraduate degree, you major in and economics and finance or I guess anything. It doesn't even matter. You don't really they, they don't have to connect, really. You major in anything. Say you major in, I don't know, German. And then you get a job somewhere and you decide that you want to uh, get your MBA, which is a master's in business. You go back to grad school, which is after that, and you get a, a further degree in a more specific field. It's way more specified. You don't have to do gen ed, which is general education classes. And um, it's a higher education than, than university. And, um, and in theory, in theory as well, career-wise that usually will bump you up a pay grade or correct two. yeah yes so it's a it's an investment because it will bump you up a great uh, uh usually it, it it comes with a pay grade or a pay grade bump however it's mm-hmm. a pretty big investment do you know what the average tuition cost is um per i don't for, actually for a master's i'm gonna say i don't know if this is per semester or a year but you might be able to elaborate once i tell you the, the number All right well let me let me let probably me give semester it a right the dark well, I would guess year-wise, I would guess year-wise it's going to be anywhere from tw- – no, that's probably on the cheaper end. It's probably somewhere, depending on the school, twenty to 40000 a year. The official range they give was thirty to forty, but there are twenty. Is you're right. There are you can get obviously there are programs for twenty. It depends on right. in-state versus out-of-state. Some state schools, if you go to the school of the state that you live in, then they'll give you a discount over um, over if you come from out of state because um, you pay Correct. taxes and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so it's an expensive, and that's for a year. Most programs are at least going to be two years. Some four, some right. six, some eight. And that's not know. and that's not counting living expenses. Correct. Uh, books. Well, that probably counts books. I would imagine. Maybe I don't know. You would know better than me. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, I was lucky where a lot of my, I think per per semester, I spent maximum two to three hundred dollars. See, this. that's interesting. That is not bad in comparison to undergrad. Why is it that right. undergrad can tend to cost just as much, and yet and yet you have to pay for all your books, which could then easily be another five hundred dollars depending on your major. Right. Well. Well. First of all, I have kind of a radical idea here. I personally think books should be free for all students. Ooh, okay. <laughs> just going just to go out there and say it. I feel like Quirky. you're already paying tuition. Explain. Yeah, you're already paying tuition. Why? I mean, That's a good point. I don't see why the, the school can't. I mean, a lot of like Michigan State University, I know, had a contract with a couple different publishers, and we could get a lot of ebooks for free through right. the MSU library, right? So why can't we just. I mean, in theory, you could go to the library and. and you know, borrow your books for the semester. However, they don't carry enough copies for every student to do that. But at the same time, it's like, I don't, I just don't understand why students so need to pay out of their own pocket for their own textbooks. Right. Especially if you're paying, say, $20,000, make it 21000 and then just g- give the books that, give them the books or whatever. Right. And, espe- right. and if you do it on a scale like that, like if if they're if like if you buy books, the college buys books on that level of a scale. The books are theoretically cheaper if you're buying hundreds or uh, or you know hundreds of them or thousands of them. It would be cheaper right. than every student buying one. Right, but I'm sure the publishing companies don't want that, which what? might be one reason. why. Oh, because they can charge more that way. What would right. be the benefit for the college to to um to do it that way? 
rather than uh, just a different revenue stream? Well, no, because the well, bookstore in itself is its own revenue stream. That's also true. I mean, you're you're the one who studied economics and finance, so I'm probably well, the wrong. Well, this person is more really like an entrepreneurial this. thing because my guess would be that. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know how much they make there, so I don't know what would be the benefit of it. Probably benefits them as well to to charge you from like to have it as a different revenue stream rather than making it bundled into your um, tuition than theoretically being less. So it's like, I mean, the publishers right. prefer it that way. The college probably gets more. The college gets people to go into that overpriced bookstore of theirs and buy a mm -hmm. fifty dollar hoodie that you could get online for fifteen. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, I, I or if it's a Nike hoodie, you're paying eighty bucks. Right. <clears throat> so it's highway robbery. I think it's just a. It's yeah. just you know, it's probably behooves both the publishers and the college. Right. I don't know. I just think if you're if you're paying all this money in tuition, why not have the materials be easily available and free? Right. For you, if you're a student, you know, I just I've never understood that, uh, and I've seen but, students. Uh, I've actually been one of those students not get the book because it's like we've we've also been in situations where um you get the book and then you never use it and we've all yeah. had at least one class where that's happened and you know in college Definitely. i don't want to say university like i'm some canadian or british person um <laughs> but um we and so like there's also this sort of game you play with yourself at the beginning of every semester where it's like, are we even going to use this book? Or it's like, you don't know. You don't know this class. Yet you're deciding right. on a class you don't even know how useful you think the book's going to be. Right. Or it's like, I mean, this is not, this is, it just seems like a very inefficient way. But I don't think, I mean, besides for there being a, um, like there being something to what's the not recidivism that's like prison um reten like what's the the rate that they use for like graduates and like there's a full like retention thing they have over the four year or mm -hmm. over the full program but anyway i think it's just retention yeah i think that there has to be like a balance between that yet also kind of making it a little bit more difficult for for people cuz it's like i've seen people right. just go without books cuz it's like yeah I, like it's just it's either between this or like, like, like for my first month, it's either between this or just paying my rent or something like that. Right, right. And for for a lot of people, it it's between p buying textbooks or or having food on the table that week or right. paying for your rent. Yeah, right. I I agree with you. Uh, the other thing too, I had a strict rule. This is more so for undergrad than graduate school, but for undergrad, the only books I would actually buy and keep were for my major so i kept all my german books and i kept all my music books you, and i still read a lot of those really so uh -huh. i guess it benefits you to read them because you are a teacher so you can get teaching ideas mm -hmm. from them right. but it, would you if you weren't a teacher do, would you still find benefits in that or go back and look at them you're a very studious person in general i'm not that studious Maybe. You like to read, you know. You like to like. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm just not that studious as, as 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 studious as you are. Right. I don't know. I mean, in grad school though, too, I kept almost all of my books. There were only a couple I I sold to a couple of my graduate student colleagues because they were they were a year younger than me, and uh, and they had some difficulty finding them, and so I, I had already read them. And By the way, speaking of being studious. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I've I've noticed on your Facebook you're doing that you know reading a book and nominating someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every time you do that, I'm like, please don't, please don't nominate me. 
<laughs> to, be on, to be honest, you, you weren't on my list. Good. So don't good. Worry. I figured I wasn't one because I'm also never active on Facebook in general. But right. there was this little part of me where I was like, oh, God, please don't. Because one, uh, I mean, I guess I could list books, but I was just like, oh, God. Um, but I figured I, that, I figured that's you, been kind of a difficult challenge. I figured um, shout out to my friend Andrea for nominating me, which was which was kind of cool. I like looking at um, your books. You've had an interesting like uh, variation of, of books. I got I have a good one for tonight that I got to post as well. But it's been difficult thinking of people to tag in it because I'm like, who uses Facebook enough? Right. And also, who reads? <laughs> That's a small. Who reads in 2018? Small <laughs> cross section of people, both right. people that love Facebook. Uh, actually, I don't know. Facebook is just about as antiquated as re- as reading is at this point. <laughs> right. That's true. Or maybe anyone that's even using Facebook. I don't know. Or you get your your news via memes, like I did that one time. <laughs> but Hashtag yeah, meme know. news. That's my favorite. Uh... <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, so anyways, let's get back to our topic. Right. Though. I feel like so, we're going off the rails a little bit. Uh, what were your degrees in? Did you already mention what they were in? You said you had two. No, I did not. I did not. Yes. So I have a master of a, master of arts in German studies from Michigan State University, and a master of arts in teaching English to speakers of other languages or TESOL. Okay, and how long did um, both of those programs take? Both well, both of them are. Did you do them um, concurrently, two, like a prisoner? I I did them back to back. So okay. I did well. So let me let me give our listeners kind of the, a quick little story though. So I actually started out. I wanted to be a German professor at a college or university, and to be a professor, not a lecturer, but a professor, you need a PhD. What's the difference? So I, I'll get there. Don't oh, okay. Worry. Between professor and le- professor yeah. and lecturer, yeah. professor basically is. In theory, an expert in the field who has a PhD, who has been, you know, who has published some manuscripts or or articles or books or whatever, um, whereas a lecturer is just someone who comes in and teaches. Okay, so So you're just usually no research load, right? You're a college teacher, exactly. That's a good way to put it. And so I came in wanting to be a uh, PhD student because I wanted to be a professor. And then the further I got along in graduate school the more I realized how competitive academia is, how how many people get PhDs in humanities, and the rate of people getting degrees to the number of jobs is not even close to being equal. So you what happens is you end up with this advanced degree, and if, if you want to do the traditional route, which is going to academia, you're very lucky if you can get a job, let alone a tenure-track job. What a lot of places do now is they will hire you on as an adjunct professor, um, and you have a min- kind of a, usually a minimum to medium teaching load, if I remember correctly, and the pay is not very good. So, for example, uh, most professor salaries, if it's at a public university, you can look them up, right? Right. So I remember there was an adjunct professor at Michigan State University. I won't. I won't say their name. <laughs> this person but- makes. <laughs> But they, they were making about $35,000 a year. Okay. And they have a PhD. Right. And they're making $35,000 a year. And then you have a an associate professor, a senior professor, um, somebody like that, and they're making anywhere from sixty dollars to $100,000 a year. And they don't have a PhD, or they do as well? And they do, No, they do as well. Okay. Everyone has a PhD. Right. But the difference is you have that adjunct title, you're making half 
of what somebody else can make. I'm is, sure it's other institutions that might be higher than half, but still. Is one of those two people more likely to also get tenure in the future as well? If you're adjunct, you won't get tenure. Okay, okay. I mean, adjunct, being an adjunct is basically... they. These are all words I've heard a lot and don't even right. really know what they mean. So, so if you're an adjunct, it's kind of like you're you're basically a, almost like a contractor, right? So you're hired to teach whatever the classes are, and that's about it. And some, like I worked as an adjunct instructor um, somewhere, and they don't offer you health insurance. Um, hmm. It was only part-time. But, I mean, the pay for me was all right. It was decent. Um, but, I mean, for somebody with a family and children, it probably wouldn't have been enough to – support that right it was thankfully i don't i don't have those problems so life is good but you know um it was good for you it worked for you at the time but it was like also even for you like it's like i mean it works for me now because uh one i know it's a you know you know it's a short-term thing but it's like i mean i Mm -hmm. couldn't have like a career that doesn't offer me health insurance right right uh you know you know i mean you could but you'd have to be making a lot of money to make that worth it exactly um Okay, sorry. I'm- so yeah, so so those were my two two degrees. But anyways, I went on the on a tangent there. Um, so basically, yeah, I started as a PhD student, and then I realized my odds were really really slim to get a good job. Everybody dreams about getting that good cushy. I wouldn't. I don't even think cushy is the right word because being a professor is really difficult. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, I think, what a lot of people see is they see this like really intelligent person. Who gets to go to like cool conferences and teach classes about topics they like? Dress casually, but they don't see <laughs> right. But uh, but they don't see all the all the extra hours they have to put in. You know, professors, good professors, spend a lot of time helping and mentoring students. I would never have been where I am without the mentorship of a lot of my, uh, you know, former professors at Albion and at Michigan State University, without a doubt. Um, it, de- you know, it definitely so, seems like mm-hmm. one of those jobs where there's always something you could be doing. Like, yep, for, you know, you you teach a cl- you teach classes, so there's always this standard stuff that go along with teaching classes, reading papers, mm-hmm. all you know, figuring yep. out lessons plans. You're also mm-hmm. probably researching something, doing some yep. sort of research. You're probably yep. also working on some sort of article and or book that you're that you want to publish. Yep. So there's it seems like there's like you. You, there, it's that's a very good job for you to feel guilty when not working, because <laughs> there's right. always oh, something definitely. you could do. Like my job, there's and not that, really always something you could do unless you're just like doing the same sort of job consistently at home. But it's not like oh, there's this other aspect of my job that I could be doing as well. Right, and that's also the the danger of grad school is that you see all these, you know, hyper uh, hardworking, intelligent individuals who are your mentors, your professors, your advisors. And then I felt guilty a lot of times when I wasn't doing extra work, you know? Um, and I feel like that's a common problem with a lot of graduate students, especially PhD students. I, I think once I switched from the PhD to a master's, I chilled out a little bit. So is, it's, um, it's, is it competitive or is it just like you kind of feel like you're like, what am I not doing? Because I'm not constantly studying like these people. Well, here, here's the thing about graduate school. It's definitely competitive. And I think a oh, lot of most stuff is also students, on a scale as well, isn't it? Well, I mean, so as so far as a grades. Of, well, yeah, which a adds lot more of, competition, a, I think. Well, a lot of the, the problems, too, with graduate school, I think, is, well, it's not necessarily a problem, but you're expected 
Like if I would have ever dropped my GPA below a 3.0, so like a, what's that, like a B average? 3.0 is B. Okay, B average, you're on academic probation. Yeah. I think it might have even been 3.3, which I think is like a B plus-ish, somewhere around there, yeah. right? And uh, But it almost seems like, told, from what I've heard, sorry, I'll let you finish, but from what I've heard, it almost seems like there's no point if you're even that low in a grad school. Like if, if your GPA is even that low, it almost seems like there's not even a point. I mean, I, I agree with you, but at the same time, I know of some other graduate programs where if you get below a 3.0, you fail the class and you have to retake it again. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. What were you about to uh, say? I, I cut you off. Um, what was I going to oh, say? Oh, I'm sorry. You're talking about B averages? B average. 3.3. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember. So now what I was told before I started graduate school was you need to four-point all your classes, or, or you should be four-pointing all your classes. Which is essentially well, an A, perfect score. And, and, yeah, yeah, perfect score. I can tell you my first semester, I four-pointed two of my classes and three-fived another one. So I was okay. like, well, all right. Well, now I know that I'm not going to be four-pointing. It's funny that these. that makes you feel like a failure, too. because it, it, it does. In undergrad, high school, in, in any level of school, that's a great, you know, that's a great average to oh, have. I'd be happy about <laughs> yeah, that that's in, great. in undergrad. <laughs> And I got a 3.0 in one of my classes, and I almost lost my shit. I can imagine. I mean, that seems yeah. it almost seems like you just wasted, a, you know, wasted away your grad school at that point. Yep, yep, yep. You, you hit the you hit the nail on the head. And the how thing did it is, affect? Like, like did, did it? I mean, I guess you graduated. It's, but how, what happened? I mean, it didn't, and it didn't drop my GPA that much because I think it was my either my second to last or my last semester in graduate school. Well, for German, that was for German. It was this class on um, intermediality. It was an interesting class, but the thing was, the the professor didn't post any of our grades at the time. I should have just asked her what my grades were. Mm -hmm. That's another thing for all of our listeners. If you're in grad school, don't be afraid to ask questions and ask for help because I was one where I would try to do things on my own. I still try to do this. Yeah, me too. I've been trying to get better at it. I'm terrible just, at asking questions. Oh, me too. And asking for help. And it's okay to ask for help, right. especially graduate school. That's why your professors are there. That's why they're, in theory, making the big bucks. Right. <laughs> um, and also, I mean, the thing that was nice about Michigan State University was my colleagues in both of my programs, in German and in TESOL, we were a really tight-knit group. So we weren't afraid to help each other out, to study with each other. Whereas I've heard of other programs where it's so competitive that they don't help each other out, which I think is a shame. That is something I noticed spending a weekend with my sister in uh, Michigan is that they seem to be um, like there does seem to be a lot of camaraderie between uh, people because, you know, they, they, they're in large lectures, but then their lectures are broken to sections. Uh, have you heard this before? Mm -hmm. And those sections mm -hmm. are kind of uh, like within this class, your study groups and your and the people that you. And so. Um, it, even though you're in large lecture halls, it kind of, you know, makes it feel a little bit smaller. Cause it's like, yeah, I, even though there's a hundred people, like I really only care about the, um, you know, the 25 or 20. However, even though you, 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 it still gives you the option to meet other people. Like I'm sure just cause, like they still probably know other people outside of their section and stuff. So I, I think that's kind of cool, I guess. Right. Um, so what, what, what was your schedule like? Um, what did they differ between the two programs? A, l a little bit, yeah. Um, so after I – well, actually, it doesn't even really matter about when I switched from PhD to – when I was a PhD student, though, the requirements were a little different. So in terms of class load, it was the same. So for, for my programs, it was three classes a week, and each class was three credits. So it was nine credits, um, nine credits a semester. 
Um, and then uh, you should have 32 or 33 when you graduate with, with a master's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my classes were, for the German program, they were uh, in the evening, so usually like 3 to 5.50 generally. Um, so they were three-hour lectures, so it was kind of long. Um, but usually we'd have like a 10-minute break somewhere in there. And a lot of them were not really necessarily lectures, but more discussion-based. So we'd have to read a text, not a textbook, but read some type of novel or linguistics book about German, and then we would come in and talk about it. Well, that's great. I mean, that helps mm-hmm. with the th- – I mean, as a three-hour – it's better that being a three-hour class than just someone lecturing at you like my uh, Hungarian econ teacher in, in Austria. Right. <laughs> right. And I don't know if I would have gotten through it had it been a traditional – just lecture all the time. Right. Um, and I have to say it really improved my German a lot. Was it all in German? Most of the lectures were in German. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's great. Most of the time. There were a few times where in one of my classes we were doing um, critical theory and hermeneutics, which um, is like – it's basically like philosophy, more or less. Okay. Like in a very bare-bones term, it's, it's more or less philosophy. And so, um, so what we um, – one of, one of the texts we read was by uh, a German guy named uh, Martin Heidegger. And, uh, and it was so complex and so difficult to discuss in German. <laughs> we did discuss that one in English. Right. Even though, to be completely honest, we could have discussed it in German, English, Spanish, Russian. I don't care what the language was. It was so theoretical and Right. Confusing. I was about to say, it, it, sounds really like, it. it sounds like it's just a tough thing to... Uh, but I, I, I can understand where it's like you're trying to find these, like you're spending so much time trying to find the proper word, probably in English to explain it, mm-hmm. let alone yeah. in, in German to, to explain right. it. Right. But see, I think one of the problems with, um, with the German program is it's very geared towards um, going down the academic track, which I understand, uh, but also... Um, a lot of cultural studies and literature, whereas I was always more interested in becoming a teacher. So the, I have to say that I, I loved the German program. I learned a lot, but the TESOL program in terms of practicality was much better and more applicable for me as, as my, you know, for a career in teaching. So your the German one didn't really focus on, um, um, was it pedagogy? Is that the word I'm looking for? Correct. It just more uh-huh. yeah, yeah. talked about the language yeah. and culture of, of the language and and. Right. Which sounds interesting, right. but not, not what you were focusing on. I mean, it's great if you want to research those kinds of things mm-hmm. or if you want to be a professor of literature or cultural studies. But I was always So more... you could put on your resume teacher, comma, linguist, German linguist? Mm, no, I, don't, I don't think two classes about German linguistics makes me a German uh, I thought you're, but you're, what's your master's in again with the German one? German studies. Okay. Okay. German studies, so uh, the complete the complete program doesn't consider you a linguistic German, uh, no expert. I mean, the, I mean, German there's a you, you can get your you can to do that. You would have to get a master's in linguistics, probably with a focus on the German language. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, German studies is a much broader term. I mean, German studies, you do everything from history, culture, a little bit of the language as well. Does that feel like um, you a waste of masters? I'm sorry. <laughs> No, not really, no. Okay. I mean, because it kind of sounds I, like it. I mean, it sounds like. <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Uh, coffee. I had coffee right before we started, and it usually like coats my throat. Does it? Um. So it it, it seems like something you're interested in as someone that loves German, the you know the culture of German and the language. 
But does it is it applicable to you trying to find jobs? I would say so. I mean, I. But here's here's the other thing about graduate school that if, if especially if you consider graduate school for becoming a teacher, which is why I went to graduate school, um, you gotta get some teaching experience while you're there. And I worked as a TA for two years for German, mm. and then when I started my TESOL degree, they only had a certain number. Excuse me, got the hiccups. They only have a certain number of um, teaching assistantships for the English Language Center, which is uh, where you would teach as an English teacher at Michigan State. So uh, they didn't have enough spots. I was lucky enough to get funding through um, the Center for um, Language Teaching Advancement, which is basically uh, it's a it's a center or a language school within MSU to help give support to faculty, students, people in the community, and promote language learning. Do you have to go and find um, that? You're, like teaching. you have to go after that yourself and apply or something? Uh, actually, no. It was it was offered to me. Wow. So I was lucky. You. Yeah. It was offered to okay. me. So I got very lucky. Uh-huh. And, so for, and so for <laughs> that, I worked. It was really great. For that, I worked in the language computer lab for two years. So I learned a lot about language testing, using technology with language teaching, we did this thing called distance learning where we set up this TV screen with a webcam on it and it's called a polycom. And then we had students come in for classes that um, the lecture might be happening at Ohio State or Penn State or somewhere else in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And they could sit in on the lecture and participate as well. Oh. So it was really cool to learn about those things. Yeah. Um, and so, and I wouldn't say my German master's was a waste of a master's. Uh, because I got some really good teaching experience. I did learn a lot from my classes and I improved my German. And I think it did in the end make me a better reader and writer, Mm -hmm. which I think is a really important skill to have as a teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the TESOL program just gave me, it was kind of nice. It's kind of like a nice bundle. I got a lot of literature and culture knowledge from German studies. And then TESOL, it was much more just practical teaching methodology, pedagogy, um, writing lesson. You can say both. Okay. I don't think there's a. Right. I don't think it really matters. <laughs> um, and uh, and then also, um, you're the linguist. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I would say I'm a language teacher, <laughs> not a linguist. I would say there's a difference. But um, but yeah. So it was. It was just a, a good experience. It was a long four years, though. I mean, it goes by fast, but it also feels in long. the moment. Just because you're, it's you're constantly on, and there's. Mm-hmm. And as you said before, you know, if you feel guilty if you're not working. So in the moment, it just feels like never ending because all you're doing is just this continuous. What's next? What do I have to do now? What am I working on right. now? But then once you finally have a chance to stop and look back at it, you're like, oh, it's it's over. Mm-hmm. It's like it didn't feel that quick when I was, um, you know, sitting at my desk for four hours, five hours at a time or whatever it is. Right. Um, exactly. OK. Wow. Uh, I. I. I, I've had things I wanted to ask you, like in between all of that, but I'm so interested just listening to you. I don't, I don't even want to interrupt, and that takes a lot for me not to want to interrupt. <laughs> 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 what was the uh, admission process? So, um, oh, I actually, let me s- let me go back one step. I, I, okay. I'm going to ask you sure. that in a second. How did you? How do you know? How did you figure out which? Because there was a lot of stuff I'm sure within sort of language learning or pedagogy that you could have focused in how did you decide on 
German studies, and then how did you decide on TESOL? Like those programs were the right ones for you, mm-hmm. what you wanted. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could, so, I, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know what, you know, I'm going to shut yeah, up. Yeah, great question. <laughs> great question. And I think for, for anybody considering graduate school, they need to consider what do they want to get out of, you know, their experience? What skills do they want to have at the end of the day? And sometimes you won't know this. I didn't know what I needed going into it, and you probably won't either. Mm-hmm. But you should have a rough idea. Do you want to be a teacher? I actually now have kind of changed my career tra- trajectory a little bit. Eventually, I'd like to become an educational consultant where I can go in and help teachers and schools improve oh, that's cool. their language instruction, which I think would be an amazing job. Um, but anyways, I think you, you have to also do some research on the faculty there, what courses they teach, uh, what their research interests are. And for me, the reason why I picked Michigan State um, was that uh, at least for German, the big kind of thing that got me interested was um, they, they were also offering um, digital humanities. So what digital humanities is, is basically doing your traditional, you know, talking about social studies or culture or history or language, but doing it in a way that it's digitized and it, um, it basically is kind of like a, a new, fresh way to look at research and, and have discussions, hmm. basically. I mean, there, there's, there's really the funny thing about the term digital humanities is there's no set definition that everybody's happy with. Right. Um, but anyways, well, that's, that's because what drew it's, me. it's so new. They haven't even really Correct. developed what, the, like, what it is yet. Correct. And, and it's constantly changing and evolving, too, which is what drew me to it. Mm-hmm. And I thought in the future, this will be a great tool for me as a teacher as yeah, a researcher, it's kind of like scholar, whatever. majoring in IT in, in the 80s or something like that. It's, it might seem useless then, but there's I, there's some forethought to that that I think you have to be able right. to find as as the student. Exactly. So that and and at the time, because I as I mentioned, I wanted to become a German professor, so a PhD was you know what I needed, and they actually had an accelerated PhD program where you do a PhD in four years, you skip a master's. You do a PhD and you're done Mm -hmm. in four years, which I can tell you right now, looking back, I'm very glad I didn't stick with the PhD because I don't think I was academically mature enough to be ready and finished with a dissertation in four years and then ready to hit the job market and compete against people who already have a master's, maybe even two masters and are 10 years older, 12 years older, have some books published and I'm out there. You know, I'm this little baby fish swimming in a <laughs> sea full of sharks, Right. you know, but I, I like the fact at the time that they had an accelerated program. I thought, how cool would it be to be 26 with a PhD? Yeah. Um, ready to be here. a professor. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's what drew me to the German program there. I also only applied to two other places. Um, I applied to UT Austin because of our advisor. Mm-hmm. And and he said it was a good program. I mean, it's a great all, school in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and then also the University of Michigan. And I can tell you. Your favorite. Now that <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you now after doing more research about the program and talking to people who have gone through it, I'm very glad I did not go there. You betcha. I'm um, very, very glad I wasn't accepted there. Um Michigan State accepted me, and then I got funding to be a teaching assistant. So I figured, you know what? Graduate school is paid for. Um, I can learn a lot. East Lansing is a great city. Um, let's do this. And then when I changed from the PhD to the master's, 
uh, I got some great advice from my committee at the time. And they said, well, we know how much you love learning and teaching languages. Have you ever thought about teaching um, EFL or ESL? And at the time, I didn't even know what EFL and ESL was. And then they explained to me, it's basically, you know, it's teaching English as a foreign language or a second language. And because mm-hmm. if you, oh, sorry, go ahead. Keep going. I thought you were done. <laughs> you- um, you're good. Basically, so the the whole point of that was that I could still bring in that love of language learning and language teaching into English because mm-hmm. I always assumed English teaching would be we'd have to do Shakespeare and read all this stuff that I wasn't really interested in. And, and I cannot stand teaching things to my students if I'm not passionate about it. Right. And what I was going to say is, and if our listeners want to learn more about uh, what TFL, TEFL and TESL is, go to episode 24. <clears throat> we have a TEFL, TESL 101. Yes, sir. Um, okay. So what was the admission process? How do you, I mean, you kind of t- so, touch on it a little bit, but. Well, so, well, first of all, before you even apply, I would, I would highly recommend, as I said, do some research. Right. Um, what, what, what are the main research areas of whatever university you're applying to? What, um, you know, who, who is in the faculty? How, how does this kind of, how do you fit into the bigger picture of that program? And then once you kind of can piece together that puzzle, you can start applying. I had to write, I believe, a few essays, uh, did you a personal statement. Have to yeah. do the do? Did you have to take the GRE? Yes. Okay. However, there are a lot of programs. Well, not a lot, but there are some programs now that are waiving that requirement. Um, antiquated and also, is it antiquated. Uh, um, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I think the thing about the GRE is that explain uh, what the GRE is. So the GRE is basically a a test you have to take in order to get into graduate school. So you take this standardized test. Oh man, I took it five years ago, so I don't remember. <laughs> it's been a while, but I know there's a math portion. I think there's a science portion. Uh, I don't remember if there's a science portion. I know there's a writing portion and there's a reading portion or like a like a vocabulary portion. So it's a standardized test for graduate school. Kind of like Correct. the SAT, ACT of getting into graduate school. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's and, – and the thing is about the GRE, though, is a lot of people stress out about their GRE scores – Mine were slightly above average. I, I couldn't tell you what the number is now, but they were slightly above average. Goddamn and right I've been were. told <laughs> <laughs> I've been told though that most universities don't I could be wrong, but what I've been told is most universities don't put a lot of emphasis just have on the it, GRE score. Have it done is what they more right. it's like don't don't fail and, and don't have it a terrible score and have it right. done. Now now it depends on the school though. Some schools do have they use it as a way to kind of weed out and, applicants. and maybe, for example, if you're going to a med school or something, maybe they focus more on science and math rather than the writing portion or something like that. I don't, I don't exactly. know if they, can, if they I, do I that. I mean, I was, I was told that the, the writing portion would be more important for me right? because I was going into a humanities field where you do a lot of writing, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like they, they're not, they're not going to be that mad if you don't know chemical formulas because hopefully you never have to teach them. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, so you have to do the GRE, usually write some type of essay or personal statement, fill out an application with, um, you know, your major, your minor, if you had one, um, basic personal information. And usually there's like at least a non-refundable $50 or $100 
you know, fee that you have to pay to apply, mm-hmm. which I also think they need to get rid of because I think that's in a way kind of elitist. And, you know, what if, what if you have a bachelor's, but you're, you know, I was lucky that I had some support from my parents. I also was working. So I had, you know, I had some money and my parents helped me pay for these application fees. Right. And I only applied to three places. So it was only $150. Right. And uh- I'll say this, playing devil's advocate, because I agree with what you're, what, what you're saying, but I, I could imagine it also helps kind of weed out people just going through and being like, let me, to apply, let me apply to as many schools as I can and go to wherever, they, wherever I get in. So I, I bet you it does right. stop some of that. But I understand where you're coming I, from. I agree. I, I think what they need to do is have it be income-based. Okay. So if you or your parents have a very, very low income and you live below the poverty it's line. It's $15 or something like that. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. It's not proportionate. You know, $50 for one person could be pocket change, whereas $50 for somebody else means they might not eat dinner for And also, week, most people know. going from undergrad to grad school um, that are paying for themselves um, are, are broke. They're all broke. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it's like I, I, most of these people are like, oh, I, I don't I, like I, I, I have like a minimum wage job or like, a, you know, slightly above minimum wage job because I'm in school. And it's like right. it's kind of like we were saying before with um, with books. It's like now this is just another sort of barrier to where it's like, all right, what I'm, it's like today I'm going to have to decide between, you know, what I, you know, a dinner, a good dinner or or submitting these applications. So right. I do get where and you're th- coming from. Yeah. And I think I think we shouldn't there shouldn't be financial barriers for education. Is right. basically what I was my point with books and also with these application fees. Like I have I have a friend who who applied to a bunch of places and I think they spent almost a thousand dollars in application Damn. fees for graduate school. You know, so it's really, really expensive. And the other thing is too, do your research beforehand and look into graduate schools that will offer different types of funding to help you either pay for half of your tuition, all of your tuition. You know, I was very fortunate and lucky. I'm knocking on my wood table right now (laughs) that I didn't have to, I think in graduate school, besides my books, I think I had to pay $50 for four years of graduate school. Wow. I think the first year it was like $17. I had to pay for some administrative fee. Another year it was like $20. I think it might've been $20 after that. Okay. So maybe a little bit more than $50, but I mean, it wasn't very much, you know? And so I got two degrees, didn't go, you know, deeper into debt for graduate school. And I would highly suggest anyone who is considering graduate school to really look at the different options. You can, you know, every, every place is different, but I've seen different places where you can, you know, be, be a resident assistant where you, they will pay for your housing and they'll either waive some of your tuition or all of your tuition. You can work as a research assistant where you can work with a professor and gain a lot of really practical knowledge that will help you after your graduate schooling is done and also pay for your school on top of that, which is a great gig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's a really important thing to look into. And obviously with different types of uh, graduate schools and different types of degrees, that won't always be an option. Um, like I'm sure your sister probably isn't like doesn't have a teaching assistantship for her MBA, does she? No, no, there's, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think with MBAs, they usually have any type of funding, but I could be wrong. Uh, no, no. I, I think TAs would usually probably be like senior, like, you know, people that are older and, and undergrad still would be my guess. 
I'm not sure. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. I, I don't. I'm pretty sure. I, I'm very pretty confident in saying that she doesn't do any sort of TA stuff. Right. Um. Okay. Ooh. See, just just the amount of information I'm getting in this uh, conversation almost feels like it's validating me not going. <laughs> it's like, I mean, like. This is even before we get into actually even being in grad school. I'm already like, this is so much work. Uh, it is. <laughs> and it's a lot of work. You're going to doubt yourself. I already um, doubt myself. That's why I consider it so much. Because like, oh, that because you went straight from undergrad to grad school, which in a sense I feel like is helpful because you're still in that school mindset. I've been working for like working just a normal you know job for what, five years at this point? Mm -hmm. And so, and, you know, so I go home and I'm free most times. I, um, you know, I don't have to study. I don't have to take tests. You know, it's, it almost feels like my sister, when I was talking to her uh, in Ann Arbor, she was saying that was one of her hardest things to adjust to is just that like, it's, 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 it is hard to get back into that school mentality once you've been working like a normal adult for a while and you have a oh, and you have a, a nice income that you just that's that's you start to realize again how comfortable you are and how easy life is and almost how right. simple life is and then um you know you 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 have to retrain yourself to give up all that free time that you became so accustomed to right and that and that's one of the reasons why Obviously, I'm not sure if I could have actually found a job in the, the fields that I was interested in working, but um, I also wanted to keep going for that exact reason. Mm -hmm. I was worried if I started working somewhere full time, it'd be really difficult for me to go back yeah. to it. I mean, I've, I've seen co-workers um, that are simultaneously working and doing uh, MBA programs, master's in business mm -hmm. programs, right. and they have that same mentality like you do. Like if you're getting, if you're not getting a 4.0, you're wasting like it's a waste of time essentially and right. um just seeing how much time that you have to put in especially as someone that you that is still working it's it's insane it's like you you're giving up you have to give up everything and i don't know if i'm willing to do that and i that's not great but i honestly don't know if i'm willing to do that and um i forgot what i was just about to say um nope forgot i forgot what i was about to say i was on a roll too on a roll of you, you were you, you you really were <laughs> well i i will also say this too um with a and and this may also be a, a controversial idea but i've read at a couple places that you know obviously an mba will help you with the pay grade and everything like that but i've also read that there's enough books and other knowledge out there where if if you're only after the pay grade, then you should do the MBA. But if you're after the knowledge of what you oh, get I out totally of an MBA, that. you can you can do you, it without the yeah. But couldn't you do that for most th most grad graduate? I mean, not being a doctor or in, something like that. In, but in, like, in theory, in theory, most like yeah, arts, but, you know, like arts related. Whether it's uh, business isn't arts, but it's more arts than science businesses. Right. I, I think, would say. I think in theory, a lot of a lot of things, yeah. But like for example, if you go into education or teaching. You need that teaching experience. You can read right. a billion books about teaching, but until you are in front of a classroom right. and you have to manage it and lead it and explain things and everything else and plan it, it's, you know, I could I could plan a million lesson plans and try to go teach them, and I guarantee you that most of them will not go exactly as I have them planned. 
And though that's also a difference between uh, that's a difference between MBAs, for example, and other grads uh, graduate programs. Is uh, business programs seem to value um, work experience way more than than say like like it's like for example, your program you can't really get good work experience without doing the graduate program. And a lot of business programs, it seems like you have a better chance of being accepted based off of your your work experience because you don't need that uh, graduate degree to get a good jo- job in, a, in any sort of business, finance, accounting. I mean, accounting, you need CPA, but still. Like, you don't need a graduate degree to get any sort of good business job. So I think they, they definitely look a lot more to that than your program would, which would just look way more at your previous academics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big difference. Obviously, the fields you are in will heavily influence whether or not you should go to graduate school, if it's worth your time, if it's worth your money. Speaking of uh, speaking of that, can I run through a list of some of the best and worst jobs? Uh, excuse me, best and worst majors for getting sure. a job, according to Forbes. Go for it. I'm I'm sure my major is somewhere in there, either with German or with music. Which list do you think it's yeah. on? Best or worst? Worst. Both of them are probably right. for worst. See, this is this is where I, my uh, setup is failing me because I need to pull my computer closer because I can pull it closer, but I can't read it from this far away. So look what I'm doing. This is ridiculous. Um, so for so what um, this is just based on jobs really and satisfaction actually. So let me read a little bit first. Um. This is the most unergonomic way to do this. I'm holding a computer that's huge in one hand, talking anyway. Um, a master's program can be a great way to switch careers or build momentum in your current track, but it's important to think hard about what you'll get out of a biz- out of a graduate degree program uh, before you make the investment, because some masters are are much more valuable than others. Of course, as we as we've said, every year Forbes turns. Uh, to compensation site Payscale to reveal the best and worst master's degrees for, pre- for jobs. Payscale creates a sophisticated ranking that uses seven factors. Early career pay, so what your kind of entry-level payment would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, medium pay for workers with zero to five years of experience. Uh, mid-career pay, obviously you've been working for uh, around 10 or more years. Uh, pay growth, job satisfaction, job stress, job meaning, and job market projections uh, for, from the U.S. Bureau of Labor S- Statistics. So let me mm-hmm. go through some of the best. Do you want to take any guesses? Make it uh, I'm interesting? Sure, I'm, I'm sure, well. What do you think is sure. number one? We'll, just, we'll do that, then I'll just run through some of them. Okay, number one. Is this like highest pay or satisfaction? Uh, as I said before, there are seven factors. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Um, pay is definitely a factor. But, but I'll say this. The number one is not the highest paying job. I mean, it's a high paying, but it's not the highest paying job. I'm going to go with number one is engineering. Very close. Uh, It is engineering, but it's a specific form of engineering. Think Pfizer. Think Bayer. Chemical engineering. Biomedical. Yeah. Biomedical. Okay. And so that – And so – that the early career pay is seventy thousand, so that'll be your ent- entry level position, which is oh, pretty damn. good. That's pr- that's pretty good. And uh, mid career pay is one twenty nine, so that's around ten years. You'll sh- you should be making one hundred thirty grand, and that's a pay that's growth of about eighty four thousand. And so after that's computer science, physics, corporate finance, uh, general and strategic management, which is getting your MBA, 
uh, mathematics, uh, management information system. So unsurprisingly, it's business and STEM related stuff. STEM is mm-hmm. science. Shit. What does STEM stand for? But it's essentially science and math based tech, science, mm-hmm. technology, engineering, and math. Engineering, mathematics. Is that what yeah. it is? I'm I'm pretty sure, yeah. And so it's those STEM and and businesses are, are, are take up all the top levels. Chat is oh, speech language pathology is number nineteen. Just throwing out some uh some language. Yeah, that's not that's not what I do, but I know, right. but I was I know yours is yours is on a different list. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Let's move on not to the worst master's degrees for jobs. <laughs> what do you think is number one? You're not number one. Hmm. They're just interesting to me. I well, I guess not really. So it's I, I have I have no idea. I would I a little would, more artistic, obviously. Is it so? It's not mute. Is it art? It's a form of art. It's a more kind of oh. practical form of art, I'd say. Graphic design. Correct. That's number one. Really? For, <laughs> number one worst. Yeah, I believe that's what they're saying. Ranked number one as the worst, like the worst one. I, I believe is how okay. they do that. And um, early career pay is not terrible. Uh, fifty-one thousand. Mid, although, although, I see where the problem is. Mid-career pay is sixty-eight thousand. So there's okay. not much room for growth, uh, apparently, right. and that's only thirty-three percent. And then second, interior design, um, lowers early career pay forty-eight. Same kind of concept. Uh, growth is not that great. Seventy thousand. A little better mm-hmm. percentage-wise, but that's for ten years. I don't know if I want to be making seventy thousand after committing ten years to a career. Right. Um, early childhood education, which is unfortunate. That's number three. Um, human services, which is also unfortunate. All the stuff that uh, – all the artistic and stuff that actually requires caring about people. Um, writing, pastoral ministry. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, unless you're like um, – who's that dude in Houston that closed his doors when uh, – Joel, Joel Austin. All right, whatever. right. Yeah, uh-huh. he's got like a private jet or two. Uh, library science, um, community counseling, which I didn't even know you get a master's in that. It's always like there's always that sort of business part of me where it's like, like it's crazy to me that you have to p- get like pay all this money for these master's degrees. Like all these starting salaries are within forty grand, yet right. you're, you're 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 there's a there's a chance your tuition could be as much as your starting salary would be, right. Yeah, if not higher than your starting salary. And so you are um, – oh, so teaching English as a second language is number 16. Okay. So it's not the worst, but it's not the best. <laughs> what's, but the, what, what's the pay? Uh, it starts at 42, um, and then it says – which isn't terrible. I mean, it's kind of on, lo- on the lower end. You can end. live on it. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that after mid-pay is 66. 60,000. So there's not yeah, a lot of growth me. over 10 years. Right. Right. Um and so that but the, speak keeping this is just for jobs though. I mean, people would argue that there's more to grad school than finding the best paying. But I would argue no there's not. <laughs> I would argue if you if you were that committed to to learning something new and it wasn't about making more money or or finding a job, then you could self-teach a lot of this or not even self-teach. Yeah, I'd agree. I don't even mean to say self-teach but find resources to do it for cheaper right but i i don't think that has to be self-teaching sorry i'm like six feet away from the microphone um you're good okay so there was that um 
Did anyone in your classes not make it? I mean, in your program, not make it? Uh, everybody made it. Okay. That I know of. Everybody that I know of. Um, a lot of people, though, switch from a PhD to a master's because I think they realized how competitive and how difficult it is. Because he- here's the thing. With a master's, I can get hired in at any college or university as a lecturer. Mm-hmm. In, in most of the United States... And a lot of places around the world. If I have a PhD, then you, in a way, you close some doors because you have so much more of an advanced degree that they will have to, you know, they'll have to pay you more than somebody with a master's who, in theory, could also be teaching the same course as you. Maybe the quality of teaching might not be as good. It might be, I'm I'm not sure, but basically the thing I was always really worried about with getting such an advanced degree as a PhD in the humanities was being basically being too overqualified. Right. And, and that, mm-hmm. so is that, a, that's a true concern is, is being overqualified. And is there also part of that overqualification? I, I think yes and no. Is part of that, I'll, we'll get to that. Is part of that overqualification that you're, that you're also kind of limiting your career options because you're hyper-focused into a specific field? Exactly. Okay. So exactly. Why, mm-hmm. why yes and no on, on the overqualified part? I mean, I think it. I think although it does close some doors for you, having a PhD will also open some. Right. So, so you if know. you can find, if you can find that sort of, I guess I would say niche niche that you've put yourself into, mm-hmm. then you there there's going to be a lot of good opportunities within within that for for someone that has essentially the highest degree level you can get, like the black belt of degrees. Right. E- exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of prestige to it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you that's know, I mean, doctor. You're a doctor, <laughs> right? How do you feel about a PhD insisting on being called a doctor? I'm fine with it. Yeah, I mean, I think if I were to actually have gotten my PhD, I would have still insisted wanted people to call me Chad. No, oh, oh, I would not have insisted. <laughs> I would have. I would have. I would have just imagined that our, our like you would have even like if we would have still done a podcast, but you would have gotten a PhD, you would have somehow like worked it into the title. <laughs> Here with Dr. Chat. Yeah, no, no. Doc- doctor in the plebe or something like that. <laughs> right. Right. Doctor in the but peasant. Yeah. So, so because like I've been told by a few of my pens. colleagues. I I've been I've been told by a few of my um um friends at MSU that they have PhDs and they were applying for jobs and, and they got a lot of rejections just because they were like, Look, we'd love to hire you, but you're going to come in at too high of a salary. We're really only looking for master's candidates. But obviously, you can flip that. I'm sure there's there's plenty of jobs I've seen where they were adjunct positions where they're not expecting you to do research or publish, but just come and teach where a PhD was required. Right. So it really depends. Um, but that's really more specifically for the teaching field. Um, it really depends on other fields. But I would say that you know, grad school, I think, is a right decision for someone if, one, I think you truly, because it's such a huge investment, you really have to make sure it's what you want to do. Yes. Yeah. And and, and mm-hmm. even just through the whole, um, d- like, dis- which, which program you decide on all the way through graduating, it's just, like, what makes this, what makes it so worth it is that ideally it's something that like 
the thought is, you know, they, they you have to decide a major in undergrad. Everyone always jokes. Nobody has any idea what they want to do. You know, at, even at 22, they have no idea. And I guess the thought is, ideally, once you're at grad school, you know exactly what you want to do. You're around people that know exactly what they want to do. And, yeah, it's demanding, but if you actually are that committed to, like, the theory is, if you put that much time even to implying and finding us and deciding that this is right for you, then it's 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 a self-selecting self-selecting group of mm-hmm. of nerds on that topic whatever the topic is <laughs> right um what do you think was a more rewarding experience undergrad or grad school rewarding in what way you tell me you tell me i would say mm, i would say academically probably graduate school because i think i really um, improved a lot of my skills in graduate school. I would say professionally, also graduate school. Okay, this However, I would say I would say socially, definitely undergrad, right. without a doubt. Yeah, that makes sense. Without a doubt. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, because I mean, by by the time you're in grad school, I mean, one, you're kind of over it in the sense of there's not this like glamour to being like there is there is something super exciting to being in that dorm, going to your first, like, party, you know? Like, there's mm-hmm. something – it's all so new and exciting. But by right. grad school, it is, it's like that whole everything new and exciting. I guess you're kind of over it at that point, and it's more just like I just need to – like, I'm here for school. Like, part of – I'd say the social aspect of college is, is very close to just as important as the, as the um, ac- academic part. So that, that I makes would sense. agree. Most definitely. And the other thing is with graduate school, you you work I would say you also improve social skills, but it's more in a professional context. Right. Your networking skills you know, get up, get exactly, better. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And in graduate school, you don't have the same amount of time as you do in undergrad to just go out and do things and be social. Right. Yeah. 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 It seems like um I was Yeah, my sister it seems like they but it seems like there's more well, I don't know if I want to say more, but there does seem to be a work hard, play hard mentality, at least from what I saw at in my sister's business program, where it's like they don't have much opportunity to to, to be free, but when they are, they seem to take advantage. For example, I went on that bicycle thing, you know, that rolling bicycle bar thing, mm-hmm. where it's like it definitely seems like they know how to have fun on the rare occasions that, but it's it's not it's not the same sort of like there's a there's a more of a like a like it's it's not the same kind of having fun when you're in college where it's like wow I can I can drink a beer and my parents I don't have to try to hide it from my parents or whatever, right? Uh, it's like I feel like a like I feel like an adult right now. And then you're oh, throwing up five hours later. It's like, that's what it's like <laughs> to be an adult. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Um, uh, I can't determine if work experience or an advanced degree is more valuable to me. No one talks about advanced degrees at my job, so it's hard to feel motivated to go. That's just something I wrote down. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I didn't have much to say about that, but it, I did want to say that. So we've teased this in the in a previous episode, mm-hmm. and don't think I didn't I didn't uh, I don't think I forgot. <laughs> um, do you ever consider going back for another degree? Maybe. What uh What sort of degrees interest you? 
Um, I have a, I have a couple actually. One of them, this is going to come way out of left field. Not really. One of them <laughs> is uh, maybe a master's in music or music education. Okay. Or as so Prince calls it, musicology. That's right. He's an. Wish you had a drop for that. That's a, <laughs> it's a. Actually, I saw Prince live in concert when that album came out. Oh damn. That was my first concert ever. Fun fact. Oh, but yeah. Start with a yeah. legend. Yep, yep. It all went downhill from there, basically. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, master's degree in music, maybe that would be kind of cool. Um, either in education or uh, classical guitar performance. Um, probably not jazz guitar. Um, jazz is really awesome, but I mean, I, prefer classical I mean, that almost jazz. seems like counterintuitive to what jazz is. Getting an advanced degree on jazz. I mean, but but a lot of people do it. Oh, I'm sure, but it, it does seem counterintuitive to what jazz even is. It's like, isn't right. most of this like improv anyway? <laughs> right. It's like just learn how to get good at improving and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And the other the other degree, if later on I want to become an administrator, possibly a master's or even a PhD in higher education administration, because really. If you want to make money in education, get to the business administration. Part. It's it yeah, all goes back to business. Yeah. <laughs> it's yep, like the administration's it's, where it's at. I mean that that goes back to that list I just said. If like yeah, mm-hmm. you can like the the where the place to make money is always the people that are handling the business part of the stuff in those sort of uh, situations. It's for right. example when you when you look at. Um, like movies and stuff like that. Yeah, actors, you know, you'll see Tom Cruise and he's making a shit ton of money. But if you compare it to your average actor, it's like it's usually going to be people working in the studios, people working like to like figuring out how to make the movie work business-wise that are kind of like the the people that make a, a lot of money that you've never even heard of. Right. Oh yeah. Definitely. So so, so those those were some d- degrees I would probably consider. Have you um, considered doing a uh, a program abroad? Mm-hmm. How does that differ in application and even like like as far as school is it the same? Like once you're in in is it the same? I'm I'm not really sure. I mean I know I know you need some type of letter of recommendation. I don't. I would imagine you might have to take the GRE. And Which I you've think already there's done. like a five, yeah, but the, I think there's like a five to eight year window where they want you to retake it again. Oh God! So, so I might <laughs> be closing in on on that window fairly soon. Oh, that would be awful if you had to take that uh, again. Right, you have to um, restudy. But it, it depends, though, because like if I went back and studied music, I don't know what the requirements are. I know for music you need to audition, right? So I need to get my chops up again. I've been playing guitar almost every day, but haven't. Uh, I don't have a classical guitar here with me, so my classical guitar chops are not where they need so to be. So you have an acoustic guitar with you, though. Yeah. What's it's the difference between? String. Oh, the strings is what's the difference mm-hmm. between a classical and acoustic, and just your standard acoustic. The the, the strings, the the body size, the the fingerboard. Okay. Um, yeah, it's all different, and we'll we'll maybe cover some of that if we do an episode on like different music styles or something like that. Okay. Cool. Um, but yeah. So, um, so yeah, those are those are the ones though that I would consider. What what sort of um, schools are, are are have you thought about? Well, I I mean these have just, all just been kind of sh- crazy ideas. Right. I mean I, that's why I'm, that's why I wanted to clarify. I was like I'm I'm not expecting that you've done any sort of intense research right. into this. I mean I have some some friends who I studied classical guitar with at Albion. One went to um, the Cincinnati uh, Conservatory of Music. Oh, I think it's Cincinnati. So sorry. <laughs> it's re- well, it's re- it's a really good school, though. Right. 
Um, Worth it to be also, in Ohio. Right, right. I also, the other one, uh, I have a friend that studied at the University of Toledo. Wow. And that was Ohio. a pretty, pretty good program. <laughs> What's up with um, Ohio and this music? I mean, I guess they do have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as well. Right. Which is awesome, by the way. Oh, yeah, we talked but, about um, that. Look at We did. Find it. I guess some previous episode. Hey, right. you find uh, it and tell us. That'll be a right. fun game we play. <laughs> Untranslatable podcast Whoever finds at gmail.com. It, I might even stick to this. Whoever finds it, if someone finds it, will we'll get the very first Untranslatable Podcast t-shirt. There, I said it. All right. It's Tell us there. what episode and give us like a a, a, a a minute marker. There we go. Um, but yeah, and also, uh, I, also I to Wayne... put you on <laughs> buying some also, random person a t-shirt. Also, Wayne State, I think, also has a program as well. Um, see, the problem with classical guitar is most places that offer masters in music, it's either for music education, which is way different. I would like to do that, but you have to learn a bunch of different instruments, mm-hmm. and it's a whole different process. Um, and a lot of places, if they offer a music degree for guitar performance, it's usually jazz guitar, not classical. Interesting. So you have to be a bit more selective. Yeah. I feel like classical there'd be guitar way is kind of a, a, dying, more of a niche. Dying breed. It is, sadly. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's similar to blues. It's like no one really wants to learn classical anymore. Dude, classical is so much more like I started being a person. I was like, oh, I want to learn jazz. And my I did learn jazz early on. And I still, I guess, do kind of. But like after my after my teacher gave me the first classical piece, I was like, oh, this is way better. I, I just enjoyed it right. so much more. It's a different process. I think jazz, you got to use your your mind more. Yeah, more creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I exactly. can imagine that. I can imagine yeah. that. And maybe that's what maybe uh, maybe that's also part of me being early in my musical career, where it's easier for me to learn sheet music than it is for me to improvise, just because right. I don't have that experience and I don't I don't know chords well enough to just do it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. But yeah, so so those those are the programs I've been thinking about. I mean, my issue with it now is I mean, I would I would really the whole reason why I would want to do a masters in music is so I have an excuse to practice guitar for like hours <laughs> on end again. Because like in undergrad, that was the coolest thing in the world saying, I need to go do homework. And you just go play and I would guitar. go play my guitar. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing. That does sound uh-huh. great. Yeah, I played. I played piano. I've I've been getting kind of. I've been slacking on my practice a little bit, but I played for like a good hour and a half, two hours straight yesterday. It felt so good. I'm trying to because I we I have like um like exercise book kind of things that I do. Then I also, mm-hmm. but usually around the holidays, she'll give me like piano like songs, and I'll just drop all the uh, exercise stuff. And so it's I, I get right. way more into it when I'm actually learning like new sheet music and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's been cool. Yeah, I'm trying to learn some Christmas carols right now. Yeah, me too. On guitar. But yeah. So yeah, what uh what other questions do you have for me, Jared, about grad school? Um I don't have any more questions, but I wanna go through what are some of the most popular ones. Okay. Uh some of the most popular are for men and women. So most popular masters and PhDs and masters. So this is the most mm-hmm. popular masters for men. Business uh MBA, which is not surprising. Electrical, uh, electronics and communication engineering, education, leadership and administration, business, commerce, education, accounting, blah, 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 blah. Most popular masters for women, business administration. It's it's interesting because they say business administration, but then for men, they say business administration and management. 
Huh. Interesting. Very education, interesting. social work, elementary education, curriculum and instruction. A very education heavy. Education mm-hmm. leadership, uh, special education, counselor education, uh, and then nursing, and then reading teacher education. So it's all education and then social work and nursing. Interesting. Uh, most popular PhDs for men, law, medicine. Or I guess, you know, that's an MD, but most popular doctor- doctoral programs for men. Pharmacy, dentistry, uh, physical therapy. I did not know you needed a PhD for physical therapy. Uh, and then chiropractic. Yeah, I'm, I didn't even know you needed. I thought you needed like a uh, certificate from your local learning annex to be a chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely a little bit more detailed than that. Mm-hmm. Sure. I thought those were the ones that's like, listen, uh, I want to be a doctor, but there's a lot you have to memorize. Uh, most popular, uh, there are other ones too for men like chemistry and uh, mm-hmm. uh, most popular uh, doctoral, doctorate and, and professional degrees for women, law, medicine, pharmacy, physical therapy, um, dentistry, educational leadership and administ- administration, osteopathic medicine. What's osteopathy? Is that like take this I'm, root I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> and yeah, eat I'm this sure. nut and rub this. Mm-hmm. Rub this question. leaf gel on your feet, and you'll be better Pro- in a prob- week. <laughs> well, I think that I think that's homeopathic. Oh, that is homeopathy. You're right. Osteopathic is that like internal medicine? Maybe I don't know. Google it. I I don't know. All right. So, looking at it on Google, osteopathy is a type of alternative medicine that emphasizes manual readjustments, myo fascial release and other physical manipulation of muscle tissue and bones practitioners of osteopathy are referred to as osteopaths its name derives from ancient greek bone and sensitive to or responding to it sounds like almost a combination of chiropractic and chiropractic chiropractory and physical therapy yeah yeah that sounds about right okay well that's all right okay uh, I don't mean to shit on chiropractory, but um, I've never i've i've <laughs> almost i've heard often that it's kind of a hoax, and and a kind of a flawed form of a uh, something. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't think so though. But that's okay. That's a topic another time. <laughs> that would actually be really interesting though. Different cultures' views oh, yeah. on medicine. Yeah, and healing. That'll take that like real really research good. though. Mm-hmm. You didn't even know we were doing this topic until a couple of minutes before we started. <laughs> that's true. You, that's, that's, see, Jared, that's what grad school teaches you is you realize you had to turn in something or you have to talk about something that you completely forgot about and you have to do in a very short period of time. I mean, you're killing it, though. I will, I will tell you this, though. One skill I definitely learned in graduate school, because you have to do so much reading – is I've gotten really good at finding the important parts of uh, yes. a text. My, my job also, my job now requires a lot of reading of articles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed it's made me a very good skimmer. Granted, yep. having yep. doing it on the computer is even easier than doing it on, um, on like in a book. Because <clears throat> I have... Hit control F. Exactly. Dude. I have the control crutch F, of control yep. F. So mm-hmm. it's even harder when you're, when you're just straight up skimming. But I've gotten very not, good with my so, control uh, F terms. <laughs> right. For, for our not-so-savvy computer listeners out there, control F is to – it's the find function. 
Right. Um, which, yeah, which has definitely helped me out. So, too you, yeah, you type in a word or phrase or something, and it, it'll show you wherever that word or phrase, whatever you're typing, it'll show you where that shows up on the page. Right. And that saved my life quite a few times in graduate school when I was writing a research paper and I had forgotten the page and I needed to cite my sources. Right. Another good thing about Control-F is also the replace feature. So say you want to change one oh, word yeah. or you're Definitely. like, ooh, I should have capitalized this word. You put in the word, then wherever that word shows up, it's like, no, make it this word instead. And boom, everyone, we changed 300 and blah, blah, blah were, uh, times. Like, oh, uh-huh. hell yeah. That's kind of satisfying to see that. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, okay. Yeah. What? Do, anything else you want to share about your grad school experience? Yeah. I guess what the the one takeaway I'd like to give all of our listeners is that if you do decide grad school is the right thing, um, take care of yourself. It's very easy to always be wanting to read, always wanting to study, to work on your lesson plans, to do whatever. You need to develop the ability sometimes to say no and to take some time for yourself to do other things that you enjoy. I gained a little bit of weight when I was in graduate school because I wasn't working out enough. I don't want to say anything. I wasn't eating but... very healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't even notice. <laughs> right. I mean, it wasn't a lot. But, you know, some right. some people also gain weight because of the stress. It's very stressful. You will sometimes feel like uh, you have imposter syndrome, meaning, like, I don't deserve to be here. I mean, I feel that already. And I haven't even started. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so, and so you just have to really be open to the idea of looking out for what's best for you, not only academically, but mentally, physically, right. Don't set everything like that. Don't sacrifice mental Mm -hmm. health for your, for your program, because then it'll only cause your work to suffer in turn. If you, if you, if you, you know, your obsession becomes a little too unhealthy, which seems very easy to do. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And it took me a while to, to learn that. And the other advice I would give any of our listeners out there considering graduate school or even even undergrad is you need to also set aside time either get a if possible get a part-time job join a sports team right. do something so you have to be somewhere at a certain time because it will make you more disciplined to really make full advantage of your time my first year of graduate school i would just screw around too much in my teaching assistant's office you know i was sitting by all my friends so it was really easy to just talk to mm-hmm. them I'm a pretty social guy. I enjoy talking to people. And so I had to really discipline myself. Okay, this is work time. You work hard, then maybe you can reward yourself with like five, 10 minutes of being social. You know, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. No, I I, I, like you played soccer every Friday. And well, I think for someone like you, especially who, um, who, um, you know, we're talking about how it's easy to get obsessed with the school and and, and forget and, and not focus enough on your own mental and physical health. Someone like you, you take your 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 lifting and your exercise very seriously, and and for someone like I mean, this is important for anyone. But I think once you get into the habit of being someone that works out on a regular basis, I think you're almost doing yourself more harm by thinking you don't have enough time to lift for an hour. Because especially for you, who it's so ingrained into your schedule, it it can really mess with your with your mental awareness and sharpness and and sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, just your own overall mental health if you're not exerting that that sort of uh, excess energy. Right. And, but here's the thing. What's that? In grad school, I never lifted consistently, which was awful. Right. I, you know, 
in undergrad, I was going five, six days a week, and I loved every second of it. Couldn't even your I was I loved it too. I was getting new shirts every week from you. <laughs> right, right. That's what happens when you weigh 145 pounds and go up to 185 pounds. Um, and then it was really funny when I went to go get a medical check for my visa. I stepped on the scale, and the woman was like, "She was like, yeah, you're you're 200 pounds." And I had never been 200 pounds in my entire life. Right, hit the, hitting um, that. So that yeah. was kind of like, ooh. So yeah, so that was kind of a wake up call. And actually, I I need to either buy a scale or find a scale here because I know I've lost some weight because my clothes are fitting a lot more loosely now, especially my pants. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to, yeah, you need to take time to do those things. And that's one thing I really regret is I didn't make time for it. Yeah, you know, um, and. It wasn't super convenient. Like it would have been, you know, about a 10, 15 minute drive. Um, so that's 30 minutes Aganon plus, you know, the hour, hour and a half of lifting. Plus then I have to eat more food and cook more food and I'm not a very good cook. <laughs> so I was making up all these excuses. So when you're in graduate school, it's easy to put your education at such, put it up on such a, a high pedestal. And, and, and lose sight of the things you really love and enjoy. I also stopped playing guitar for a while. Not on purpose. Yeah. Not because I didn't want to, but I was just so busy. And then... It's a similar I concept. I, I mean, playing guitar for you is probably a similar concept to the working at, where it's like it's so ingrained into your life that you probably mm-hmm. were doing damage you wouldn't even notice just not doing those things for yourself that are such a part... That, one, are great for your mental health as well, and mm-hmm. also is so ingrained into your... Uh, into your life right and and you have to you have to prioritize your time you have to make time for the things you love to do and that's one thing that thankfully I kind of became smarter about when I started my second master's Mm -hmm. you know I was two years older a little wiser I had been through a master's program wasn't that shocking right right and I also realized after after my first year and a half of German, I was starting to get kind of depressed. And I'm a usually pretty happy guy. I mean, you know mm-hmm. me. Um, I feel like our listeners can probably tell I'm a fairly positive and happy guy. And I realized that big void was, for me, music. And then I realized later on it was also the, the exercise as well. Right. Um, and so, so, yeah, take time to do the things you love as well, whatever those things may be. And you should never feel guilty if you're not always studying, always researching. It's such a competitive field. It's any any graduate program is like that. You just and sometimes it's also really helpful to make friends outside of your graduate program because when you're with I love all of my friends I made in grad school that were in my programs. Don't get me wrong. But when I was with them, a lot of times we would talk about Exactly. Right. <laughs> oh, did you get? Did you do the exactly. reading yet? Did you do the? I mean, even yet? when I was in Michigan, that's all. That's all they talked about um, mm-hmm. was, was you know class and homework and blah blah blah. I don't. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. It doesn't bother me. I don't fault them. I totally get it. But yeah, right. did you have you had friends outside of the uh, outside of the program? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, some of them were fellow grad students. A lot of them were people I met through soccer, which was right, really great. Right. Uh huh. The one thing I wish I would have done was also meet some musicians. Yeah, um, that but it's really hard good. if you're not playing yourself. Also true. And then if you don't have a lot of time to go rehearse or jam. Right. Thankfully, when I was in my TESOL program, uh, my really good buddy Ian, uh, he was a really good guitar player, and he would come over. It was really great because we would just forget about everything and just jam on guitar for a couple hours. Yeah, that sounds like fun. I, I so. want to – I want to. now that I'm starting to learn how to play piano, 
on my bucket list of things to do is jam with Chad. Oh, nice. I hope we can make that happen sooner or later. Me too. Hopefully more sooner than later. Me too. Definitely. Philly's on my list. It's probably easier for me to travel with a guitar than for you to travel with, <laughs> that's a, with a good a point. keyboard. Well, that's fine. I'd happily have you come here. It's cheaper for me. Right. Well, I also have a keyboard at my parents', but I gotta get back to America before we can <laughs> <laughs> play play it all this, and that'll be at least another six, Step seven points. Speaking of music, though. Speaking of oh oh yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. Anyway, take it away, Jared. Oh, uh, speaking of music, I mean it's we, we've we've made it pl- clear enough how much we uh, love music, and I think we've also made it. And my computer just. Uh, went to sleep, so I'm not. I don't have the title, so just say it for me, so I don't have to reach over. But anyway, um, so um, do you have the title in front of you? Because I, I'm, look, I can I'm pull looking. I'm looking at it. Right my now. computer. As I was talking, my computer screen just went blank, and I was like, "Of course." As I'm about to do this beautiful introduction, we love music, right. but we've also mentioned how much we love hearing. Um, uh, I mean, we say Spanish, but this is Portuguese. They're Brazilian. Yeah, and so yeah. it's in Portuguese, but it has that similar uh, sort of just hearing that that voice and that accent, and and is 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 beautiful. So the song is called Calmo, and mm-hmm. by Linicar Eo Eos Caramelo uh, is it Melos? Yeah, something uh-huh. like that. Yeah. Caramelo. So uh, Link, what is her name again? Linica. Yeah. So it's Linica or Linica. However, you say that as a Brazilian speaking Portuguese, and mm-hmm. she is the singer, and then the Carmelos is like the band that is playing for. Her. Mm-hmm. And um, ooh, sorry, I keep knocking this desk. I, once again, I need to figure out my proper uh, setup here. Anyway, um, the so the song is is um, if did you look at the video I sent you because it does have lyrics uh, like close captioning in English. Oh, are you serious? It does on the video I sent you. Oh my God, I didn't even realize. And that. so it, um, the song is called Calamo. It's a very calmly played song, and it's uh, beautifully sang by um, Lineker. And um, she's essentially, from what I gather, just by trying to read the lyrics along to the song, is that she's talking about essentially recognizing the beauty in the world, but also in, in a specific significant or significant other girl and 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 recognizing qualities and essentially i don't know if calm is is talking about the need to relax but more just the beauty of the calmness within the world and Mm -hmm. this person is the sense i got and i love the band i love the i love and i and i just the vibe is great and and it's uh like a what would you call that like a tenor voice maybe Not a t- uh, may- maybe. Alto, you'd say? A lo- I was thinking, I'm listening to it right now. Yeah, maybe tenor. Oh, it's baritone? Is that what it is? Baritone or tenor? Which one's lower? Baritone. Okay, so tenor is what I would stick with then. Right. Uh, but It's just got such a nice vibe to it. Yes. Yes, it seems like if you were to... Um, <laughs> if Just so you know, calmo means calm down. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Not just calm... Mm-hmm. Calm down. Okay, this is what Google Translate says. Okay, okay, um, and yeah, so um, that's really all I had to say. It was just a beautifully sang song. It almost seems like something if if I was an adult having an adult style dinner party, 
Um, I would happily have the Carmelos and Lineker on just, just uh, you know, in the background, and it would be beautiful. Also, it's, I mean, it, but, uh, but I also think that would, I say that, but I also think that will do, that does a little disservice to the lyrics, because even though I don't know what it's saying, what, what it's saying, what she's saying, it, she's a person, <laughs> even though I don't know what she's saying, um, list just listening to um like li- i enjoy hearing sort of the the passion in in someone's voice and i think that for example i like i downloaded that tom mish album tom mish used to be a um mm-hmm. was a previous song of the pod and i think he is also you can kind of hear like hear the passion in their voice and i don't know what that is because it's a quality you can't i can't really put my finger on but i feel like i can always notice it right well and i think also Brazilian Portuguese just has this cool sound to it, kind of calming sound. Yeah. There's another really amazing artist called Soy George, and he was on Life Aquatic, which is a great movie. But he does a. We almost watched that movie one time, remember? Yep. Yes, we did. Your dad yelled up and told us that there was a Jimi Hendrix documentary, and we dropped everything. (laughs) Yep. Worth it. (laughs) Worth worth it 100%. Um, But yeah. But uh, Soy George um, is also, he has an album where he does David Bowie covers, but he's translated them all into Brazilian Portuguese. And it's just acoustic guitar and voice. And it also has this kind of chill vibe. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it doesn't have the really nice, like kind of slow grooving drums or the, the horns in the background, but it's just great. And the hook, I think, is great. Yeah. Um, so where where she where, where she says like mm-hmm. I don't know what the I believe the word is actually somebody but she says like Changi or something like that mm-hmm. I enjoy hearing that <laughs> yeah <clears throat> but yeah it's really great so check that out on our Twitter for sure uh, and it will also be added to our YouTube channel as well yeah. on our playlist yeah check that out there's I I I listen to that from time to time I do too I do too it's a, and it's a cool playlist and this is a great song thank you very much Jared for the awesome recommendation yeah my I really pleasure enjoyed my it. pleasure. Well, Jared, I didn't have a uh, useful phrase for you today, but I figured since uh, uh, sometimes it's good to have something that's a little apropos to our topic. Mm-hmm. So today our check word is studovat, okay, which means to study. Okay, that uh, that has that. Um, I mean, it's not. It's obviously not a, uh, like, but that has sounds English. Like it has relations to the English word. Mm-hmm. I could I could kind of guess right. that before you said it. Right. Exactly. But yeah. So uh, anyways, it's time. I don't have some jokes, but I do have a couple. You know, you're a grad student when. OK. So I thought these are these, are these as the kids would say, hashtag V relatable for you when you read them? I would say. OK. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> OK. So, you know, you're a grad student when the concept of free time scares you. <laughs> I mean, that's true. It's like, uh-huh. yeah, you, you like if, if you, and that's always what I've noticed. It's like, if you have free time, you're almost afraid of it. It's like, no, I gotta, mm-hmm. there's more studying to do. Right. Or you know you're a grad sc- uh, student when you consider caffeine to be a part of the food pyramid. <laughs> I mean, that's just life. I, I mean, that's definitely a grad student thing as well, but dude, I, 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 I drink coffee like it's water. Although I have sort of gone out of the habit of drinking it every morning before work, but like, for example, I woke up at nine o'clock today, and for and and for me to like get going I, at nine o'clock, it's like I, I'm gonna need some coffee. But yeah, right. Sorry, uh, you know, know you're grad. So you're you're good. <laughs> you're, you're good. It's all good. 
I've already done too much talking today anyway, so I appreciate it. You know you're a grad student when, and I've done this before, you know you're a grad student when you've brought a scholarly article to a bar or pub. Oh, jeez. That sounds so douchey when you hear it. Like, <laughs> do you just, like, sit down and read it? Like, um... Like, Sometimes. like if you're just like, I, like that's the best you can do for a relaxation where it's like, I, I want to get out of my, like get away from my desk in my room, yet mm-hmm. I also want to like have a drink, but I can't get away from actually working. So I'm going to just go to a bar and read there. Right. Uh, I know. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I think that's at least a, a, a good halfway step to, um, you know, get trying to not just, you know, trying to switch up grad school every now and again and not and not just get stuck into that k-hole exactly and you know you're a grad student when you have accepted that guilt is an inherent feature of relaxation oh jeez, that sounds awful (laughs) i i I can relax nowadays well it's kind of harder now with the podcast and piano but i i I can still get down to some guilt-free relaxation pretty easily right and i can too now but in grad school it was much more right now you're a working man Exactly. My last one is, you know, you're in grad school when you find yourself explaining to children that you are in the 20th grade. <laughs> is that what it is? The 20th grade? Probably somewhere. Well, if you're a PhD student, I guess it I could mean, be 12th grade. College college would be 13, 14, 15, 16. Right. So I guess your final year of some programs 18. could be like if it's their four yeah. year program. So. I was in 18th grade when I was graduating from Germany in 20th grade with T-Sol. So uh, I guess that's go. true. <laughs> right? And I have a couple other funny ones I want to share. So top 10 lies told by graduate <laughs> students. Here we go. I'm fine. It has to be number one. <laughs> right. right. Top 10 lies uh, told by graduate students. Um, no, really, I'll be out of the program in just one more year. <laughs> number two. My job prospects look really good. <laughs> oh, that's depressing. <laughs> or I'll just finish grading and then I'll start writing my dissertation. Oh, God. I'm not even in grad school and this is almost like just from my time in college, this is giving me like like reactions. <laughs> right. And then I want to also give you a couple top lies told by teaching assistants. Okay. Because that's a part of graduate school. Also, as well. V relatable for you? Definitely. Number one, my other class or my other section is so much better prepared than you guys. Have you actually said that to a, to a class? No. Oh, okay. But I you would think never it? say that. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, uh, number two, um, you can call me anytime. I'm always available. <laughs> I have definitely said that before. And then regretted it. <laughs> I mean, thankfully, none of my students ever called me at weird times. Okay. They actually never called me. It was always email. Okay, yeah. That's... I think I would tell them you can email me. Oh, anytime that's fine. Yeah, of course. That. But then you can also get to it whenever you want. I had a, I mean, right. um, I had a friend that was a well, ex to be fair, that was a uh, middle school teacher. I brought up the middle school teacher before, and uh, mm-hmm. her students had her uh, phone number, and they'd call like we'd be like <laughs> at like a bar on like a Saturday at like. A, like eight or nine o'clock and she's like oops one of my students is calling me hold on i was like what <laughs> i was like first of all why do they have your number second of all uh isn't right. there some sort of a uh, common decency here listen kid exactly. i'm trying to get drunk to forget about you specifically <laughs> <laughs> right right okay i think this is the top lie told by teaching assistants i'm not going to grant any extensions on homework <laughs> i did you ever ask for extensions when you were an undergrad 
Nope. I didn't either. No, I, I don't think I've ever asked for an extension. I didn't realize that was such an option. School. Like, pe- like it, it's apparently it's a very easy option. Like that people get them, but I never right. even considered asking for an extension. I was like, hell no. Right. Uh, and I, I, I always thought that there was, I, like, I didn't, I, I didn't take it as some sort of point of pride. I more took it as like it should be a point of shame for you guys, especially right. for these projects that we've had months to work on. Oh, I would agree. I would definitely agree. I mean. Yeah. So anyways, I hope you and our listeners have enjoyed some of the, uh, if you, you know your grad I student one, I fun. thought those were pretty, pretty clever. And if any of our listeners out there would like more information or have any questions, they're welcome to contact us, uh, Untranslatable1 on Twitter, mm-hmm. although then you'll need to give me a heads up since you're our, our Twitter yeah. guy, <laughs> um, untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. Shoot us an email if you have any questions about graduate school. Also on Translatable Podcast at Instagram, doc, uh, at Instagram, not Instagram.com. Don't know where <laughs> I was going with that. But yeah. On Translatable Podcast on Instagram. Exactly. So so let us know if you have questions. I would love to help you guys out because I think grad school can be a great opportunity for you. Um, and if you're unsure, let us know, and we would be happy to dish you out some uh, cold hard facts uh, as well. Yeah. you're So to end our... You're clearly a wealth of knowledge. I mean, you did this with... I assume little to zero preparation and you had more than enough to talk about. So I, yeah, feel free to actually, I probably, I probably could have said more, but yeah, yeah feel free to ask Chad questions and then yeah, I'd love, I'd love to hear him. It'd be great. I'll happily tell him to either check our email or check our Twitter. <laughs> exactly. One or the other. Yeah. But anyways, I'd like to end. I think this is a great quote for anyone who's considering grad school. And the quote is, failure defeats losers, failure inspires winners, by Robert T. Kiyosaki. Yeah, but I agree. I mean, yes, and people always say that they've learned the most, way more from failure than they have from success, but failure in grad school, I mean, that's, that's, that's tough. That's, a, that's an expensive failure. That's true. I mean, well, the thing is, though. And failure, I, I guess, doesn't unless... mean, oh, I guess they're not also not saying failing just entire thing. Or that's not how right. you have to look at it. I was thinking, yeah, exactly. I was thinking it more like you, like stumble. you apply to give a presentation at a conference right. and you get denied, right. or you know things like that. Obviously, if you fail a class, that will definitely make things a little bit more difficult. But I do know a few people who have failed classes. It was more for personal or family reasons, like a death in the family or something like this. Um, and they, they eventually, at the end of the day, got it all sorted out. Mm-hmm. So it is possible. Right. Okay. It is doable. So, yeah. So uh, we hope you enjoyed this untranslatable episode about graduate school. We hope this was insightful for all of you. Let us know. Once again, if you have any questions, we would love to hear from you. And uh, our next episode, we will be discussing Thanksgiving. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we're, we need to uh, do like some sort of – I mean, we're going to do some sort of – ranking of thanksgiving foods too seems seems oh, necessary because I, I i want to i'm interested on, on your list because mine might be my list might surprise you <laughs> oh good well i'm looking forward to <laughs> it tune in <laughs> right it'll be great well we appreciate your support and uh we look forward to talking to you next time yeah.